It's Behind the Bots Time! From the NHRL studios in Norwalk, Connecticut, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind the bots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kyle. And today on the podcast, our interview with Shredded Bro Captain Evan Arias. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have three news items for you today. First up, catch live robot combat this weekend in Delaware and Michigan. In Delaware, Bayside Robotics is fighting fairyweights, antweights, and sportsman-class beetles at First State Hobbies in Newark. And in Michigan, Merca is back in action this weekend, fighting antweights and beetleweights at a telecom company in Bloomingdale. Now on over to Las Vegas, where BattleBots Destructathon is extending its run until Labor Day. The show will also add a Saturday matinee and expand the size of its Platinum Lounge by 20%. The Platinum Package costs a little over $750. Wow, oh my god, I was just reading that number for the first time. That's a lot. Um, (laughs) And includes admission for up to four people. The BattleBots Arena is expected to temporarily close at some point this year to make way for F1 Grand Prix, a one-day event in mid-November. And finally, BattleBots teams are starting to sign up for Proving Grounds, a new format coming to BattleBots Destructathon where teams can run practice fights as part of the new live show. This week, Gigabyte announced the team will be headed to Proving Grounds July 5th through July 9th, inviting other builders to face them that weekend. And that's it for this week's news. Now, before we get into our recap of episode 13, I was in the audience last Thursday at BattleBots Destructathon and have an event report for you all. I bought a VIP ticket for $125 and got into the venue an hour before the show started. Inside the lobby, they've got this very cool interactive display where they show that night's fight card and invite you to vote on who you think will win. Destructathon employs a little over a dozen actors, some of whom were out in the lobby before the show to take photos with fans. There's a concession stand for kids, a bar for adults, and a merch store that sells, among other things, battle damage parts from the show's robots. The VIP ticket got me into the arena area early, and I was able to get prime seating, two rows up and exactly at the middle point of the battle box. At 6 p.m., announcers Bill Dwyer and Steve Judkins came out and guided the show through its five fights, with a little intro video before each fight and a tunnel walkout by the actors. After the fights, which are not as destructive, but just as unpredictable as competition matches, the hosts interview the actors for their reactions. The total runtime of the show was a little over an hour. Final recommendation, it is something I would absolutely recommend for BattleBots fans to catch at least once. Separately, I was able to get in early on a press pass so I could tour the shop so I know a bit more about how the show works behind the scenes. So I'm going to pause here. Uh, I feel like everyone, I, I know the four of us, we've been really curious about Destructathon. So what can I tell you about the show? What are what are you curious about? So it you said it runs a little over an hour. When you were there and you, um, you know, got to, you know, sit in, watch the whole thing, digest it now. Did it, does a little over an hour feel like it's too short, too long? It feels just right. Yeah. Like the energy is high for the hour. Um, it's a very packed hour. It's like, there's no downtime at all. Cause you know, they're not, they don't have film crews. They're not trying to tell, you know, Farouk, oh, we've got to take another take for that. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's very, very efficient. Um, 
hour. Um, and I think it would start to drag if it was two hours or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we saw 10 robots fight over five fights. It was pretty awesome. How do you think it's going to change when they introduce uh, Proving Grounds with, you know, a higher uh, higher energy fight? Um, and how do you think that's going to tie in with the more formulaic, uh, you know, de- Destructathon format? I think, like, there is the kind of fan experience. I mean, like, the fans would absolutely love Proving Grounds. And I think the fans, like, there, there's this very cool opportunity they have where they're like, hey, we're going to do a Malice residency for a week or, I don't know, like, uh, I guess Malice is already on the show, but, like, uh, Gigabyte, for example. Perfect. You know, like, if you're a Gigabyte fan, come to Vegas and we're going to be doing, like, a week of Gigabyte stuff. Like, you can meet John Mladenik out in the lobby. You can take photos with the robots. Like, um, there's all these Gigabyte events that are happening around that time. And every single one of Gigabyte's fights, those are going to be super destructive. He's trying to dial in a new, you know, speed control system or something like that. And you're going to see, like, gigabyte just tear through its opponents um like that is a really really cool opportunity plus i mean like there are hundreds of people who apply for battlebots every year and for them proving grounds is the perfect opportunity for them to build a spec build kind of like manta from last weekend bring it there really impress the producers get a lot of good fight footage and work out all of their gremlins um in like a week two weeks you know and ultimately create a better competition um for for the tv show were you able to gauge you know what types of people were in the audience and they seem like they were fans of BattleBots? do they seem like you know families who are just looking for something to do like did you get a sense of of who was there it was a mix like the people sitting behind me they also had vip tickets there was probably eight people in a group and they all had vip tickets so it was like a thousand dollars worth of tickets um and they had they had one battlebot super fan back there and probably seven other people who like this this one guy was like yeah you know like um for the competition you know it's like a different guy like you know it's it's will bales who comes out not like this actor necessarily like he was kind of talking them through it but his friends had no idea. <laughs> they couldn't tell the difference. And um, they had an amazing time, you know? So, like, um, I think for for the average fan, I mean, like, BattleBots will die if it only creates products for super fans, you know? <laughs> for the average BattleBots fan, like, there were so many kids in the audience, and they just loved it. They ate it up like crazy. Like, they, it was the best, you know, experience ever for them. Plus, for casual fans, it was, like, amazing. So, like... I think the experience is maybe not optimized for somebody who, I don't know, follows Will Bill's personal Facebook page, but, um, but it's great for, you know, uh, just a, a, a regular fan of the show. How was the, How was the... announcing the commentary? Um, I mean, we know they don't not... have all the editing in place that like Chris and Kenny have. So like, how did it flow? How did it sound? The announcing wasn't bad. Um, it wasn't as good as Chris and Kenny, obviously. Um, but, and the cool thing was like the announcers also like kept the show moving forward. Like they were like, okay, all right, welcoming, uh, you know, like join, join us in welcoming next to the box. You know, it's mammoth. And like, you know, here comes the robot. They're playing the music and stuff like that. They kind of kept the show on pace. And then like during the fights, the commentary was, not great. It was kind of weak, but it was fine. Um, they also had like little comedy skits and stuff that they were 
doing, you know, um, before and after every single fight, kind of like capturing the fun, funny part of, of Badawas. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, I think it's cool that they have Bill Dwyer. I mean, like that connection, like they really were, they were like, Hey, you know, he's, he's like the original guy from comedy central. Um, so like that, that was thrilling. There were lots of people who just loved seeing Bill, you know? Yeah, Um, of course. But, uh, yeah. And Steve was fine. Um, I would say commentary. I don't know. I'd rate it like, uh, seven out of 10, six out of 10. Yeah. Something like that. My other thing was, uh, so we know that these bots were made uh, to handle this amount of fight. There's been a lot of speculation that there are like breakaway parts on the bots, kind of like oversized hex bugs. Um, You said you got a little bit of a tour in the pits. Did you see any indication of like breakaway parts of like kind of gimmicked parts that are supposed to explode and look cool? Or was it very much so like, no, we built these as durable as humanly possible and what breaks breaks and that's what the audience sees. I asked about breakaway parts um, and no, there's, there's no breakaway parts on any of the robots. Um, although they are designing the robots for like the spectacle of a live show. So like, for example, um, Zach Goff, the original captain of Copperhead built this robot called Chopper and Chopper shoots these, these like, it almost looks like sparks from an, from a, an angle grinder or something like that, you know, like um, behind it. And it is so beautiful and cinematic. Like, you know, if you like at one point chopper got spun around 360 and it just was like shooting these sparks, like in a, in a circle, um, it would be totally impractical for a competition robot, you know, to put weight into this purely, um, decorative design element but it was very cool to watch as part of the live show and i think they're gonna try and do more of those types of things where it's like how can we make this visually the coolest thing possible can we make blue fire instead of just regular fire you know like can we can we have bigger sparks coming out of the robot you know just like more things to make it fun for a live audience um is 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 what they're they're optimizing for. I mean, I think like the holy grail is it's the most destructive fight you've ever seen ever, and they don't have to spend thousands of dollars to fix the robot at the end, you know. So like whatever they can do to to like strike that balance is what they're interested in, you know. When the robots entered the battle box, did they look like you know pre-fight? Did they already look like they were kind of beaten up, or did it look like a new robot going in? I mean, from the audience, I was sitting far enough away that like I, I they didn't zoom in like the same kind of way where you can see like oh this is this is a very haggard looking witch doctor or something like that. They do a really good job at fixing up the robots between the fights. I did get to tour the workshop beforehand on this press pass. It's not available to just uh, anybody, so I got to see the the battle damage and like these robots are getting hammered like. There are these huge gouges like on the the front of the the robots, like um, especially with Hypershock. Hypershock faces Witch Doctor a lot on the show because they're kind of evenly matched. And just from the geometry of the the two main weapons, Witch Doctor tends to eat at the center um, weapon hub of um, of Hypershock. So like it was just chewed up. It looked like I don't know the 
nose of a great white shark or something like that. Um, but they just fix it. They repaint it, you know? Um, so it, it looks nice when it comes out, but they're, they're definitely, they're all battle damage for sure. Um, I have to ask just because price point was a big, uh, issue with, uh, robo games last time which i think it was like 40 bucks a ticket or something um and this is 125 for an hour or i guess a little pre meet and greet um but you seem happy with that price point so it it seemed like worth worth the money in a way that like robo games wasn't yeah Yeah. the value value for for money money was so much higher at BattleBots Destructathon. Like it was wrapped in this whole experience. You know, like you're walking into the lobby, you're like buying your little snacks, like you're talking to the other fans, you get your own seat, you know, like um there there's like these videos, these hype videos that run before every single fight that kind of set up the emotional stakes, you know, like, Hey, um, this is hypershock. And I, I built this, you know, and I've been competing on battle bots for multiple years. And like, here's, here's why I built hypershock. Like those kind of really cool little interstitials were so just so much higher production quality. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I felt like, like the value was there. Um, it's one of these things where like every BattleBots fan should see this show at least once. Like if you're in Vegas, go and see the show. Like um, it is, there, there are things that you're going to see at Destructathon that they don't have at the live show. And obviously the live show has, or the competition has things that you're not going to see at Destructathon. So it's kind of like cool to see the two sides of it, you know? Um, And I wish that there were, they were closer to one another, obviously, but um, the the just energy and the kind of hype and like the production, I think, was higher quality at Destructathon because, you know, they're not trying to film this and try and capture all of the right angles and, oh, let's do a second take here. And, oh, the audio is off. Let's have this team like walk out of the, the tunnel again and all that other stuff, you know, that happens at the filming. Um you know, you could hear the announcers, obviously, in the audience, um, where you can't hear Chris and Kenny. Um, so there's just like there's a lot of downtime, you know, like at at the actual competition and filming that just didn't exist at Destructathon at all. One more question for me: What was your favorite fight that you saw? Because I don't even know what bots you saw. Hands down, it was. Um, <laughs> It was, uh, let's see, who destroyed, oh my god, I gotta look at, I forget who who it was. It was Nightmare. It was Nightmare versus the slot machine, all right? Um, when I when I first heard about Nightmare versus the slot machine, I was like, oh my god, like, they are, they're out of ideas, you know what I mean? Like, this is, sounds terrible. It sounds awful, right? But it was the best fight of the night because this slot machine exploded there were parts everywhere like i'm thinking to myself like i'm sitting probably 80 yards away from the slot machine that just exploded like am i breathing in parts of the slot machine like it was just amazing glass metal wires everywhere and it was so important to to have this fight because without it you would have no idea how destructive these robots are you know because they're both so like both opponents are so durable but like up against this ancient slot machine um 
which by the way, I, I learned you could buy slot machines, these slot machines for $140 each. So every show they're destroying a $140 slot machine. Um, but you have to buy them in like shipments of 50 at a time. So they'll buy like 50 slot machines for like five grand or whatever. Um, bring them in, store them and destroy one slot machine every single show. And it was just the best. Um, people went nuts for it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I could I could see two or three slot machines being destroyed. Give, give, give me give me so, more. Uh, slot it machines. might be it might be the only venue in Vegas where you get to beat the slot machine. Yes. 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 Yeah. It was incredible. It it was really awesome. Um, so yeah, slot slot machine fight was the was the surprise sleeper hit. All right, I got a I got a one last question for me. Uh, the VIP experience. What came with it, and is that worth it, or like, is the general admission enough? Is the general admission going to be a great experience for like your average family in Vegas there to you know hang out with the kids? Versus if you're a real BattleBots fan, like somebody who you know does follow Will Bales on Facebook, uh, do you need the VIP experience to truly enjoy it, or are you going to be okay in the the general admission? Like, kind of, how does that break down? General admission, totally fine. You know, like if you're a family of four and general admission tickets are like $75 each, like do that for sure. I was interested in VIP because I wanted to guarantee that I had a seat right at the center of the battle box. Um, But, you know, two rows up, there were general admission people who were sitting also at the center of the battle box. And like, there's not a bad seat in the arena. Like if you're even sitting at the top of the, the bleachers, you have a great view into the, the arena. I actually think either get general admission or go the other way, get premium, like splurge the 750 bucks. And then you, cause you get to sit at your own little cocktail table. You get your own seating area. You're right under the battle box sign. So like um, you see like a different view of the box and um, you get free snacks and drinks and you get to take a little tour after the show that no one else gets so like if you get premium seats you get to take photos next to all the robots afterward you get to like kind of inspect all the damage you get to talk to the builders so like um if you want you know like um jeff waters is there brad hansett is there i know that shay uh shay johns goes a lot trey roski is there so like they're all taking selfies with the fans and it's like that is a very cool experience for for super fans so if you're a super fan like splurge like get the 750 dollar ticket if you can afford it um because that experience afterward is just so so cool thanks luke appreciate the uh the event report this was really really good i think uh i think you've assuaged a lot of people's concerns with that this is a cool thing yeah yeah um okay well good uh let's switch gears and take a look back at episode 13 of BattleBots, which aired this past thursday we saw quantum crush its way to a 4-0 record gigabyte get gigabeat shredder bro find both its drive and weapon another fiery end for fusion and pizza 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 your thoughts on episode 13 i remember watching the overhaul shredder bro fight um while in the pits at filming And I was just like, my jaw was, you know, like dropped. I remember watching it and being like, 
This is maybe one of my favorite fights of the entire season. Mm -hmm. Um, The back and forth, like with overhaul, just kind of like driving (laughs) shredder bro and kind of, you know, booping it all over. But then cartoon fight. Yeah, it was like a cartoon fight. And then shredder bro being able to come back and like you said, have its drive and its weapon and be able to just kind of dominate overhaul in the second half of that match. Um, uh, of course, I was so excited for Shredder Bro to kind of finally break out of its shell and and put a lot of those like um, gremlins to rest. But like not only that, it was just such a great opponent. Like both of them, it, it was it was one of my favorite matches. And um, seeing all the love online that you know Evan and Shredder was getting after after the fact. Um, really warmed my heart so I was waiting for this fight all season because <laughs> I was like is it going to be as good as I remember it um, and it and it absolutely was it was so fun yeah top yeah, three top-, top five fight of the night this was a phenomenal fight I really enjoyed it um, I'm just I hope it is enough after Shredipo's struggles this season I hope this is enough that they get an invite to come back um, obviously, you know, if they participate in, um, since Liddy Slugfest, that's going to play a factor in that too. But, um, you know, they, it's been such a hard season for an incredibly capable driver in Evan Arias and a really good team, just uh, so many issues. And I really hope that this is enough. Um, man, other than that, I gotta say, uh, the rotator fusion fight was amazing like so many explosions and exactly what I was hoping it would be. And the damage reports afterwards were just gloriously horrific. Um, and I'm so curious as to what the heck happened during that Copperhead Ripperoni fight. I really wish we had some of the Copperhead team here uh, to explain what the heck happened in that fight. Cause that was just bonkers. Um, I, uh, th- this was one of the best episodes we've had. Uh, and, and I think even if you take out the Shredded Bro overhaul fight, which was, like I said, probably one of the best fights of the season so far, um, this was a phenomenal episode. Just strength of schedule, uh, the pace of it, uh, production value was right on point, and it was just good fight after good fight after good fight. Um, I loved it. I thought this was a great episode. Yeah, that that Copperhead Ripperoni fight. It's definitely one that in the moment you kind of just wish you had a do over <laughs> not not that necessarily copperhead would win just that you wanted to see more fight you know um it was a you know i think a very quick um i think even luke would probably say this like driving you know mistake um uh, maybe and i don't even know fully i i know that on the team copperhead youtube channel um, there's going to be a post fight report. So I don't think that's come out yet, but um, definitely look out for that. But I think it might've just been a factor of like underestimating um, their speed or their ability to turn. Yeah. Um, but man, you know, you kind of, it hindsight is everything obviously, but you know, you kind of wish that we at least got to see like a weapon on weapon smash, but like Luke has been driving so phenomenally all season this is is something like this is bound to happen and with a lesser bot you know a mistake like that wouldn't have been able to be taken advantage of but ripperoni to their credit was literally right there and you know the the rest is history but luke has been so incredible and i think has really taken copperhead to new heights this season so obviously nothing but love and just sometimes that's that's how it crumbles i guess 
Um, yeah. Uh, I, I got one more question for you guys. Who at the beginning of this season would have believed 4-0 Quantum? Like it, it boggles the mind. They, they brought one robot, and they went 4-0 with it through the regular season. Absolutely amazing. Um, absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. Plus, I mean, they haven't even been competing at BattleBots the last couple of seasons because of mm-hmm. all the travel restrictions. So, like, you know, you've seen other bots who used to dominate kind of come back after the hiatus and maybe weren't performing at the same level um, just because the, the other competition has progressed so much. So for Quantum to, to be able to come back after a couple of seasons of not competing and go 4-0 is, like, so good. Incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought they were absolutely amazing. Um, and, and not that anybody thought Gigabyte was going to win this, this fight. Obviously, it's Endgame, right? Nobody thinks they're going to win a fight against Endgame when they go into it. Um, what do you think about like the, the new driver, new team behind Gigabyte this year? I mean, I think what this has really shown is what a monster that thing is to operate or like at least the balance between weapon and drive is something that, you know, the people who have been doing it for years have gotten down to a science and this new team's really struggling with. Um, A a lot of people are saying like this was indicative that the shell spinner is just, you know, not, not competitive anymore. I think gigabyte last season would disagree with everyone on that. It was a terrifying machine last season that I think it just comes down to like the new kids operating it. Uh, what, What do you guys kind of think about that? Well, I know, you know, Derek Tran, who's the captain of Gigabyte this time around, um, and I believe the driver, um, he's definitely no rookie to, you know, this sport. He's been on a lot of teams before this. And so it's like they just found, you know, someone off the street and they're struggling. So, yeah, to have someone who's a, you know, a veteran of the sport, um, it just goes to show you what a difficult, you know, in unique bot it is to drive yeah especially with a shelf yeah now um this past week we had 79 people send in predictions and zero people managed to call all seven fights correctly however <laughs> we did have four people manage to call six out of seven fights correctly which is pretty darn good those four people were prolific nhrl builder and friend of the pod kevin biagini from team pandemonium Richard Dwayne Gordon, Ethan Van Gorp, and Josh Kubiak. The toughest fight to call was Shredder Bro versus Overhaul, with the majority of people assuming that noted Van Collector Charles Guan would win. Kyle, as an FYI, you managed to call four out of the seven fights correctly, missing Shredder Bro, Ribot, and Ripperoni. All right, let's get into this week's predictions with our own Kyle Kroos, starting with our first fight of the night. Kyle, are you uh, are you prepared? Once again, I have not looked at the fight card, so yes, I'm 100% prepared to do this live. Let's do it live. <laughs> all right, good. Um, all right, we've got uh, our first fight of the night, a battle of the two big-wheeled bots in the uh, field, Starchild versus Huge. No one wins this fight. This is dumb. It shouldn't happen. I hate that the producers did this. I'm going to give it to Huge because their weapon just makes the most sense in this matchup. Um, it just, this is so, I'm so glad that, that they're getting it out of the way this season because nobody wants this nonsense. It's so dumb. Sorry. I off my soapbox. On to our second fight of the night, uh, battle of the two Omni designs in the field, ominous versus shatter. 
you know what? Everybody actually wants this fight. This is okay. Uh, <laughs> this one's going to be fun. I, I got to give it to the boys on Chatter. They've had such a rough season. They need a win. They just need a win. Ominous is an amazing machine. Um, I think it's phenomenal. I, I really, I'm hoping and I'm, I'm shooting for the guys on Chatter to pull this off. Go Bots FC. All right. Uh, now two rookies uh, for our third fight of the night. Triton versus Horizon. This is going to be so much fun. Um, I'm going to have to give this one to Triton. I, I really hope Horizon gets some really great shots in and that it's a cool back and forth and a great fight. All right. On to our next fight of the night. Bloodsport versus Beta. Oh, uh, I'm... This is a dangerous kind of matchup for Beta. This is the kind of matchup where Beta doesn't like to throw their hammer. Um, it seems like they've learned their lesson about literally everything except for uh, vertical spinners this year. Um, I'm going to give this one to Beta, but that is very skeptical. Extremely skeptical. Okay. Um, on to two of our favorite bots of all time, Mammoth versus Kraken. I love both of these bots so much. Um, I'm going to give this one to Mammoth. It is a really good matchup for them, just geometry-wise. And, um, yeah, I don't want to root against my buddy Ricky, so there you go. All right, on to our dreaded sixth fight of the night. That uh, six, uh, that number six spot is usually not a good sign. Valkyrie versus Glitch. Wow. Uh, I think this one has to go to Valkyrie. It's a very strange matchup. I think they were just like, oh, bots that look like airplanes. Let's put them in there together. Um, really weird idea. I don't know how I feel about it, but yeah, I'm going to go with Valkyrie. All right. And finally, uh, I mean, this is poetic, uh, for our main event. You know, we've got the robot that has never been knocked out versus the knockout King. Uh, plus, you know, I don't know, a little bit of animosity from the fans, uh, being directed toward reptiles. So maybe a bit of a comeuppance perhaps, I don't know. Uh, our main event of the night Black Dragon versus Riptide. Kyle, your prediction. It's got to go to Riptide, and I loathe to say it. I loathe to say it. Listen, Black Dragon is an amazing machine. It's also a college team with a limited budget, and they have been refurbishing motors and refurbishing parts and pieces on this thing forever and ever. Amen. And the fact that they have such a powerful machine with what they have to work with is amazing. Not to take anything away from them, but they're going up against people with, like, you know, Elon Musk budget and... Um, and a really talented driver. I mean, that's there's no other way of saying it. He's a very talented driver. So, yeah, it's going to be hard for them to pull that one out. All right, now stretch prediction, Kyle. Is it going to be a judge's decision or a knockout? I actually do believe it is going to be a judge's decision. I love all the hype about it being a knockout. I think it's hilarious that they've been making such a big deal out of it. But, man, we've never seen Black Dragon just stop moving. <laughs> like It just hasn't happened. Um, they can drive upside down. Um, as long as they've got some back wheels rolling, they'll be able to move. I, I think that this is going to go to a judge's decision. Okay, interesting. Well, I mean, that would mean that Riptide would end its qualifying season at a very strong position. So, um, yeah, it's interesting to see if that happens. All right, well, um, you've 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 got me excited for Thursday. I can't wait. Uh, if you think you're smarter than a Kyle, go to our Facebook page later today to send us your predictions. After the break, we'll return with our interview with Evan Arias. Yeah. 
This week on the podcast, we have a very special returning guest, Shredded Bro Captain Evan Arias. Evan is a lifelong BattleBots fan and came up in the sport through NHRL, where he's completed 108 career fights across 19 competitions with an incredible 74 and 34 all-time record. He's known as a driver who's aggressive, suffocating, and who refuses to tap out. At BattleBots, he's still searching for success, although we saw glimmers of what's possible in his robot's victory over Overhaul this past week. We're looking forward to getting into all of this and more in the hour ahead, so welcome to the show, Evan. Hey, hey, what's up, what's up, what's going on? Evan, I'm so happy that we're doing this, Um, and it's just the two of us here today for this interview, um, because I love you, Evan. Like, we are such good friends. You brought me into Team Shreddit for season seven, which I am so grateful for. And I see you every other month at NHRL. Uh, you are genuinely a good egg and a good dude. And um, I'm just glad that we're going to hang for like the next hour plus. So this is this is great for me. Right on, my brother. And I want to say I love you too, man. I want to start off with that because, you know, it's not beloved, man. And, um, you know, it, it really is an honor to be able to see you every other month and I definitely want to create a way that, you know, us and the team could definitely vibe a lot more outside yeah. of just the robot stuff. Cause there's just so much love and, you know, we, I, I feel like all stories are so great. Yeah. I, I, I think you're one of the coolest people in the sport. like not just cool from like your style and, you know, I don't know your, your whole vibe, but like just your background is really cool in the sport too. It's, it's funny. Cause it's like, we don't get a lot of opportunities to talk about your story, your life story, like on BattleBots itself and at NHRL. But like, this is a great opportunity for us to talk about it. You know, like here, let's see. What what what, what do I know about you from the show? Let's see. Um, you come from Staten Island and you are doing it for the kids. I think that's it. <laughs> I think that's that's what BattleBots is told. The like kind of of your story. Like maybe maybe we can fill in like the uh the the cracks here. So let's see. You you were born and raised in in New York, is that right? Like right. maybe we could just do it chronologically. Right on. Yeah, I was born and raised in Standalone, New York City. And um uh you know, I, I lived in the projects, total projects my whole life. It's actually, you know, a lot of people from the outside and they see the projects as like this scary thing. But they have no idea, like, you know, it's a community. You know, these people, you know, will look out for you. Like, say, if, like, you know, there's an outside entity chasing after you, guess who has your back? You know, everyone who's already outside. So uh, that's sort of where the family vibes for me. As growing up, like, my family was more or less the people around me. It wasn't my actual bloodline. So, um, yeah, I'll bring it all the way back. So after I was born, we moved to, you know, Toad Hill Projects. And... uh you know, growing up wasn't the the easiest, the best thing. My father, um, you know, he took off before I was born. He was actually in prison uh, when my mom gave birth to me. And uh, she would take me to visit him upstate New York. And then afterwards, you know, when he got out, he had not really much interest in being there. So it kind of uh, fell on my sister, surprisingly, because uh, my mom, she also battles alcoholism. And uh, it was, if it wasn't me and my sister, it was me and like, maybe like my Game Boy. Well, my sister's Game Boy. I took it from her, you know, she was, you know, she taught me how to play Tetris. And then from there, uh, you know, I, uh, she never got it back. When Pokemon Red came out, that was it. It was mine. It's um, a great game. Oh, oh yeah. Fantastic game. 
Oh, it changed my life. Uh, Pokemon Red to me was an eye opener for the world because, you know, I used to like dabble in games like Sonic and this and that. But when I got to make my first choice, which is Bulbasaur, and then go on my own journey, you know, it kind of like the world around me didn't really exist. You know, it didn't matter what was going on, how bad or how good things were. I had this own world where I could become a champion. And mm. I really fed off of that energy. And, I, you know, I liked it. it. It taught me how to read, really. At the time, I didn't know, paral- you know, I thought Parzile was the word, but no, it's paralyzed. And yeah. um, I actually beat the game in the first town that you go to in Pokemon Red. You're supposed to drop off an antidote. And I completely did not do that in the first run of the game. And uh, by the time I found out, oh, that's how you get some extra items. I just kept it in my key items. I'm like, <laughs> like, why use it? You know, I already got this far without it. Yeah. yeah and uh and i guess you know that was you know most of my life just uh you know it, even going into uh, junior high school i had finally one year there was like a free lego robotics program and i did it and you know i loved it it was cool i think there was like the lego brainstorm or mindstorm one of those things and it was fascinating it was like oh my god you could put like what looks like a digital timer in this thing and it does stuff um and unfortunately, I was never a great student. You know, I always had ADHD and my grades were slipping. So um, I had applied for two high schools before my high school. And in Staten Island, there's Staten Island Tech, which is, you know, for the things I wanted, robotics and this and that and automotive, they had it. And then you had McKee High School, which was right under them, you know, similar program. They actually share a football team, those two. And then uh, I then, you know, my I put in for my zone school, which was Wagner High School, which offered me nothing of what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And it that like getting out of high school is a struggle. I actually was expelled from my first high school and I had to go to, a, you know, another one where they actually did. You know, they cared about the students. It was called Concord High School. And they used to like way back in the day, they used to call it the Hope for Dopes. You could actually see Method Man in my yearbook for that school. And wow. uh, yeah, it, it was um, either, you know, people who went there either got expelled for being bad, you know, doing wrong things or, you know, like way, way back before then it was drug problems. But my issue was, I guess I had a bit of a problem with authority, especially when you knew they were wrong. I I have always was I've always had this thing where I I check people when they're wrong. And so even when you I guess when you do to school staff, that's not the best thing. So, uh, yeah, that got me kicked out of my first high school. But my second one, you know, it dramatically changed. I was actually going to school. Uh, I did a lot of film festivals. You know, the film teacher, he gave me a chance. And next thing you know, I'm, like, winning awards for doing, like, um, hospital programs. Like, they would have, like, a film festival. I would enter those, and I won, like, two years back-to-back. And it was really good. Um, And then after that, I went to... Uh, this school called Apex, because I had just gotten my first car. It was a beat up mm-hmm. Honda, Honda Accord. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like I said, I really never had a male role model in my life. So I was like, all right, I have this car. I messed up a rim because, you know, I didn't know anything. It's like, how do I fix this? Right. How do I get the wheel aligned? And I decided to go to Apex Tech in Manhattan. And I went from being a terrible student in high school to now I had perfect attendance, which was the mm. first, I think, in there, like every subject, you know, good attendance, except there was one class. Uh, funny enough, it was electrical class where I scored a few points lower uh, than the rest of the classes. And that brought my GPA one point below uh, the entry point to get into like one of those schools that you get to do NASCAR and stuff, mm. uh, all, that, all that fun stuff. So um 
you know, after Apex, I went to the Marines. That was quite the time I got to use my hand skills to be infantry mortarman. Best of times and worst of times. And then after that, I worked at Toyota for a bit and realized that working on cars for a living is not fun. I liked, mm. you know, I liked using my my brain and my hands, but um, when it became a paycheck, it really sucked the fun out of it. So then uh, I moved back to Staten Island from, uh, yeah, that was, I lived at, that was in Massachusetts. Then when I moved back to New York City, I uh, I took care of my grandmother. She was, um, she had quite a lot of issues with her health, um, mm-hmm. broken hip, Alzheimer's, you know, she was pushed until 90 and she got it, you know, right after 90, she was like, okay, I'm clocking out, you know, but I was, I, I was taking care of her. And then after that, I uh, started taking care of my mother because um, mm-hmm. her health had declined in that time. And a lot of people don't know, like, I do have a home attendant when I go to work that we kind of like alternate. And then by the time I get off, she's leaving. I come back, my mother's wheelchair bound. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one day I would love to be able to get her to come to an event because, you know, she cheers me on from YouTube, even like guys like Angel. Like sometimes she's not the best at remembering names. So she'd be like, oh, yeah, her caboodle, you know, even though it's her caboose. (laughs) Yeah, but she, she honestly tries, you know, she recognizes a lot of the people. And, you know, what? that's one of my end goals. Uh, hopefully I get to get her to an event. You know, it's just hard for her. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would love, hopefully, God willing, that I get the chance to fly her out to Vegas or even take her to Norwalk. You know, Norwalk yeah. is extremely handicap friendly, and I love that. So, yeah. you know, hopefully, you know, I, I mean, there's been times where, like, I'll longboard next to her. And, uh, you know, my mom, she got to finally see my motorcycle. And I still want to set up, like, um, a day we do, like, a photo shoot. <laughs> have my, my Harley right next to her scooter. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, so, I mean, all all that has led to this. You know, I've I've uh, yeah. dabbled in a bunch of stuff. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I never had the opportunity to really get into robotics. And then... I would say it was after my dog Luna had passed away that really gave me the momentum to get over everything that's been holding me back because my whole life I've been my biggest enemy. Mm-hmm. And um, so my little baby girl Luna, rest in peace. She was a lost app, so she was the sweetest thing in the world. Um, after she passed away, I went cage-free shark diving because I love surfing, but I was just, I was terrified. You know, I saw Jaws when I was a kid and Deep yeah. Blue Sea. So absolutely terrifying. <laughs> So, um, you know, I, I, one day, you know, after she passed, I'm like, all right, that's it. That's enough. You know, let's, let's go out there. Let's do all the things we want to do. So then there was this company in uh, Jupiter, Florida called Shark Addicts. And I, uh, I book an excursion with them. It's four hours in the open ocean. They, they lower the sharks in, then you go in the water. And let me tell you, there's footage of me contemplating life on the way, on the boat, on the way there to the first dive. But, yeah. you know, so we went to three different locations and uh, the first one, I was the last one to get off the boat to go in the water. <laughs> the second time I got in a little faster. And then by the time it came to like the third spot, I'm like swimming down. I'm like, hey, where are you going, buddy? And then that's when it hit me like, oh, my God, I'm trying to find, the, you know, go to these sharks homes. Like and I had I had a bad fear. Like even when I would go surfing, if the cable or like seaweed wrapped my leg, I would lose my mind. You know, it was very uncomfortable. So then from there, I just kept chasing all the other things I've always wanted to do. And then next up was like skydiving. So I mm. went skydiving and I thought it was amazing. There's nothing like it, you know, dropping out of the dropping out of the sky. I mean, that's something that hundreds of years ago, no one could ever imagine without getting sucked up by a tornado or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And then uh, I would say later that year, that's when um, 
that's when I got interested in robotics. I, I actually stopped playing in bands to really focus on this craft because it, it was a lot. So, um, yeah, I, 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 so let's see. Uh, I, what, what, what else do I know about you? So like as a kid, you were a huge fan of BattleBots, right? Like you, you oh, watched yeah. BattleBots like growing up. Oh yeah. And then, and then when you started working at this construction company that you're at right now, that's where you met Janati and you bonded over your shared love of BattleBots. Is that, is that right? Oh yeah. So I, yeah. So I guess I'll go into like, you know, I'll start from the childhood portion of it. So BattleBots, when I saw it on TV when I was a kid, I lost my mind. Like there was, my brain couldn't compute like, Oh my God, what is this? This is amazing. And it was so inspirational. And like, I was obsessed. Like, it was between BattleBots, uh, R2-D2 from Star Wars, which I felt was way ahead of its time. And then there's a movie that not a lot of people know about. There's a movie called Blank Man. Uh, it's starring, um, oh my God, what's his name? Uh, it's one of the Waynes brothers. Uh, Damon Waynes, I think. And okay. and he has this robot friend called J5. You know, not Johnny 5, but J5, where it's like its hair was pom-poms. It had flashlights for eyes. And it was a Maytag washing machine was the, the frame of this thing. But it ended up being the hero in the movie. There was a, a building that was loaded with bombs. And J5 uh, takes the bombs and he tries, you know, he goes down the steps, doesn't even take an elevator. And he takes one for the team, you know, to save humanity. And I would say between those three, between BattleBots, J5, and R2-D2, it was just, it was really inspiring. I mean, I know it's silly. These are like fictional, you know, like two are fictional, one's not, you know. But these are also robots that people built for uh, a movie that was based off of something fictional. So I, I found that right. absolutely amazing. And um, when I when I started my job, me and Gennady, it was the funniest week of my life. That first week working with him, he's very quiet until he opens up. And then after that, he's an amazing wallflower. Like he yeah. is just so full of life. So we started bonding over BattleBots. And, you know, first it was well, Fallout 3. And then next thing you know, we're watching BattleBots. It came back on the air and we both had caught it at the same time. And, you know, we, we couldn't stop talking about it. And I was obsessed with Minotaur and Bombshell. Those were the mm. ones that did it for me when it came back. Because, oh, my God, even now, like Minotaur is still my favorite. And, it, and it's weird because now that I'm friends with them, I try not to fangirl. But on the inside, I'm like, oh, my God, they're so awesome. And yeah. then... Um, and even Bombshell, when like I got to meet all those guys accidentally, like between Randy and Michael Jeffries, which is an absolute saint. It's like so cool. And then it's like, oh my God, you're you know, I have to like hold it all in again. I'm like, oh my god, you're the bombshell guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they're 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 really a blessing to the sport. They both in their own ways bring a lot of elements. And then there's, you know, so many other people on that team that are great. And, you know, long behold, you know, I never knew the guys from Bombshell, like one would be you know, going against me when uh, Randy was with Slamo, that was awesome. And then, you know, I think they were reaching out to Michael Jeffries. Like, they had all our parts that we could have ordered, like, clocked out, you know, wherever we got stuff from, they had it. So it was really cool um, how small the sport actually is in the long run of things. But uh, yeah. it's such a tight community with nothing but love. I really like that. I um I'm gonna oh oh very quickly before we do this because this is this is something that's new that's happened so like tell me in ten weeks from now you're gonna go take a very important test tell me what's happening in ten weeks oh so yes I think in about ten weeks they don't want to tell me for sure but I had taken the FDNY written exam about four or five years ago and I scored a ninety seven which to me that was really high so I was getting. I was getting super jacked at the gym, getting super into shape. 
And then I took the written exam and I thought city jobs in New York City move fast. That is not the case with New York City uh, city jobs. It takes mm-hmm. a few years and then COVID had hit. So everything got pushed back more. And I didn't realize you could score bo- above 100. So they were calling anyone who scored 103 to the hundreds and everything. And I had scored a 97, which to me, that's a high grade, you know? Yeah. And uh, And so finally this year, they got back to me around i would say february and when they said if i'm still interested i'm like absolutely like it's always been one of my dreams to be a firefighter so yes i uh i told them yes i'm interested and they told me okay you know you might be taking the physical by new year's you know like somewhere in the winter i'm like oh that's perfect and then right before the last norwalk they're like hey jk you're gonna be taking it this summer (laughs) so i'm like oh man okay and which is really motivating, you know, I had put on some weight and I'm, I'm going to be more than happy to like keep moving this extra, extra little bit I've been carrying. But um, yeah, so I'm going to be, t- be taking the FDNY CPAT, which is three minutes and 30 seconds on a treadmill with a 75 pound weighted vest. And then the rest of it is you, you like more or less an obstacle course for firemen, except, uh, you know, you do it with 50 pounds on you for the whole thing. And I got to admit, I'm really excited. I love fitness challenges. I love challenges in general. And I feel like this is the next part of my life. And, you, you know, I thought I was never going to get the call back, even though I scored 97. And I saw that the test uh, expires next February. So I'm like, oh, man, you know, being list number 10,000, I was like, oh, I guess they're never going to get to me. But nope, sure mm. enough, they did. And um, just this last week, I intended my, uh, attended my first session. And it went really well, really, really well. And it made everything super real for me. And yeah. when I was sitting in that chair, I I kind of got like a little emotional because it's like all, you know, you work hard in life and sometimes, you know, you don't get instant gratification. But I feel like if you put enough good karma out there, you know, that's the thing. Karma always comes back around. And I'm very, I'm very grateful for the opportunity. And, you know, I hope everything goes smooth. Because I would love to be, you know, give back to my city being being a firefighter. I I was inspired when I was young, you know, between 9-11 and, you know, firemen in general. And my job right now, sometimes, you know, we deal with, you know, the FDNY. And I, I just think that they're heroes. I mean, you it takes a special type of brave and crazy to run into a burning building. <laughs> so I have nothing but the deeper suspect and to to really put my energy and hopefully join them one day. I couldn't be any more proud. And I hope I make everyone proud in doing so as well. That's amazing. That's amazing. You, you've got such an inspirational story. Like, I love it. Like, um, and like for, for you to take all of your life experiences and turn it into just like this really positive force, you know, like for people, like so many people, love you and they're just gravitated to you because you're just so open and inviting and friendly and it's just it's great um um we have uh about 150 questions from uh all these people who love you um so uh i'm gonna try to be efficient with them i i may uh unfortunately skip over some of these questions because we got some that were a little bit similar um but just know that uh you have an awful lot of fans but of course you know that already um <laughs> I, I i love it because you know it was it was a hard few weeks you know there was a lot of criticism and some of it you know between you know there was just i, I don't i don't show any love to the negativity but i love the love and I, that's why i love that people ask so many questions because i do love to connect with with the fans of the sport 
because they they're really i mean they're a blessing i mean even all the friends i've got to meet along the way it's it's truly a dream life that i can never imagine and i i'm honestly i'm excited to answer some of these questions that's good. That's good. Well, we're going to start with questions from uh, two very young fans. Um, their mom, Catherine Weiss, uh, wrote these in. Um, Catherine lives in upstate New York and is part of the family team, Team Sus Combat Robotics. Um, so shout out to the Weiss family. Uh, love you guys. Um, so Catherine writes, hey, Team Sus Combat Robotics and the kid creators of NHRL 3 Pound Bots, Harold and Timber here. Question from Peter, who designed Harold and is seven years old. Peter asks, can we have a rematch now that my weapon belt issue is figured out? <laughs> Absolutely. I love his robot so much. That's, that robot was so, I love how it's outside the box. And, you know, you as the years go on, you always see new ways to add weapons to these robots. And Harold, I, I would love it. That thing scared me. And it's very hard to put any sort of fear in me. But in the middle of fighting it, I'm like, I cannot get this robot from my life, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and like, no matter how much I was aggressing, that you know, it he dished back. I love it. And honestly, it's one of those one of those kids that you know people don't realize they they say I inspire them, but a lot of the builders, especially the children, they inspire me. You know, sometimes they'll even like tell you about the robot idea they want to build and i'm like oh my god that actually is genius you know sometimes they'll describe something like fusion you know and it's like wow that uh, you know what i support it you know like yeah Uh, but yeah yeah uh peter has a follow-up question uh do you double belt all of your bot weapons i think he's trying to figure out you know design improvements for heralds so double belts or single belts yes i i do recommend double it really does depend uh especially on the belts, but sometimes I do like to double belt um, because I feel like they, you know, I like redundancy because I would hate back in the day when someone would snipe the belt and then there goes their, you know, the weapon. And it kind of like forced me to become an aggressive driver because it's like, okay, plan B, you know, (laughs) like just, just straight up keep going at them. And, but I do recommend if you could get a better quality belt, that's wider. I, I always go that route. Because sometimes I've had the issue where my double belt would actually twist at, twist on each other and they would stop me from spinning up, which, you mm-hmm. know, like, oh, you know, my weapon stops spinning. It's like, yeah, get the robot's its biggest enemy once again, you know, <laughs> which that's yeah. been the curse of Shredder, bro. It's always its biggest enemy. Oh, that's my curse with robots, really. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we've got some questions here from Lydia, who designed Timber and is nine years old. Lydia wants to know, how did you originally come up with a three pound Shredder, bro design? Very good question, Lydia. Oh, so this had started way back in 2019, the summer, and I reached out because I thought every combat robot was a battle bot. I didn't know the difference between weight classes, a beetle weight, you know, there's all words. But when I reached out for a battle bot competition, Alex Kreese, which I, I love so much from Valkyrie, um, he he reached out to me and he didn't have to he didn't have to reply to me at all or even give me that much info. But he gave me the full details told me about beat-away group and you know this is the three pounds and you could fight them at norwalk havoc and he basically gave me the structure and now from that point i had one month to build this robot so i started you know anything that i get into i researched it so heavy whether it was guitars like you know i'm looking at spec sheets and you know i saw the thing it's like beta bar and i'm like okay cool like i could actually order this in time so uh me and gennady we figured out a way to work around that 
and I still have the V1 frame, which I should show people one day. It is cool. it is absolutely disgusting. Uh, I cut it on <laughs> <laughs> I cut it on a jigsaw. I had the Fingertech Garolite base plate, which we never you know ran in competition. And then uh, we redefined it. Uh, you know, thank I'm so grateful for Gennady because we redefined that robot by a thousand times. You know, we actually put it on a bandsaw. You know, cut the parts out right. And um, I'll never forget it because it's like I always get burned before every competition, like every competition, like yearly around the same time. So even mm-hmm. like bending the UHMW wheel guards got a sick uh, burn on my arm. But um, yeah, it, we had some really rough roots. But I would say having the Fingertech Beta Bar was the beginning because now I have a, a structure to work off of. Now I know, okay, I shouldn't make it a little more wide than this, you know, for the mainframe. And uh, oh look, they they have a motor. I could use that, and they have belts. So like, woohoo! Yeah, it's like it's all coming together. And then we use their foam wheels. Like honestly, I love Curtis and I love FingerTech so much because if it wasn't for them, I couldn't have gotten ready in one month. There, there was just no mm-hmm. way. But and even then, he you know wished us luck. And even now, like FingerTech, like I love seeing Curtis. I love seeing FingerTech everywhere. I love that there's beta bars everywhere. So yeah, I gotta give a lot of love and praise to you know, the roots of it all for us, which is, uh, you know, finger tech. So that, that really inspired me, especially like looking at these beetle weights. I think at the time, uh, K2, I believe was blown up in the UK. And right. then I had seen finger tech beta bars, but I'd never really seen the U S like anyone push them as hard as you could. So then yeah. that's, that's where I wanted to, you know, step in. Um, because I, you know, like I said, I was, in, I was inspired by Daniel Freitas, but I didn't want to be him. I didn't want to be the next Daniel. I wanted to be the first me, you know, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. and it worked out great. And I still hope I like it would be a blessing if I do fight them, but I don't hope for it at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Uh, Lydia's final question. Do you have a background in robotics? Ooh, I wish. Honestly, if I had the grades, I think I think I would have degraded in college. Um, I was always a bad test taker to the point where I never even took the SATs. Uh, so I wish I had a background. The most robotics I've had was in the seventh grade, uh, doing that one Lego thing, um, you know, like Lego robotics club. But no, um, I, and that's what I like about this sport. I And that's part of like what I like about my story. And I try to inspire others. You don't need to come from like a big college with big, big funding or even like your home, you know, home funding. Like if you have a dream and you want to work it, you'll get there. But you don't need the background. The background will come as you establish and build yourself up. Yeah. Now, Lydia and Peter, they're still pretty young. So they have time to find like a cool robotics program in school. And um, yeah, like they're they're getting started so young in the sport. I can't wait to see them come back. So Team Sus. um, Yeah. Yeah. uh, Thank you for the questions. Yeah. Thank you. Like, I'm really looking forward to them, too. And I'm so happy that they're so young. And I, I feel like I'll get first row seats to watching their journey, you know, and, yeah. and watching them come up and, you know, they, they dish it. So I'm going to expect in the future, you know, make, make me want to retire the frame, you know, <laughs> destroy that robot so I can give you pieces off of it. Good, good. Um, all right. We've got some questions here from a Discord user. My name is Sue. So I'm, I'm assuming perhaps their name is Sue. Um, and my name is Sue writes, Evan, how do you like your toast? I kid, I kid. Um, <laughs> And then uh, congrats on a much-needed, much-deserved win over Overhaul. My question is, what are the robots that inspired you to actually get into the sport? Like, ones that made you think, hey, I think it's actually possible for me to do this. Ooh, I would say it was definitely 
um just a reference that minotaur and bombshell fight like to me minotaur was just like you know when i was a kid there was nothing that looked like that not even close and then even bombshell that thing is a beauty like every every year now i say you know bring bombshell back i would love to see that that robot because they even show like you know we could redefine this we could you know we could throw any weapon on it and really kick bot so i i would say between those two um they they were truly inspirational because the shapes of them the weapon the sound i was hooked so they i would say i'm really inspired by them cool horizon team member and friend of the pod alicia garnash whose birthday is today so happy birthday alicia happy birthday alicia uh she wants to know what was your first robotics competition like and what advice would you give to builders who don't come from a traditional engineering background Ooh, I like this one. So I could run through my first competition. I remember like yesterday, my first fight was against Andrew Maloroni, I believe is how you pronounce his name. And he's from the robot team and he had BDE, which is big disc energy. Uh, and um, his robot was flopping anywhere. It looked like he had some technical issues. I think we make contact once and then he taps out. And then my second fight was against Joe Fabiani with SME. And it was very interesting because we were, you know, dishing it out to each other. And then he used to, not anymore, uh, he had tape on the front of his robot that said SME. That looked like almost like caution tape. <laughs> yeah. So, so what happened in that fight is the that material got wrapped in my pulley. And me being the novice that I was, I kept trying to fire the ESC up. And not knowing I'm doing more damage to myself than I than I thought, you know, I thought maybe if I could get it spinning, it'll come free, you know, and I could continue the fight. But I ended up losing the fight. And then, you know, like I said, I was I was a rookie. I had no idea that maybe I should throw this in the test box before throwing it in the next fight. And then next thing you know, the last fight was against Alex Kreese. And I believe his robot was named Ghost and it was a crusher. And in the beginning of the fight, I can't get a spin up and I keep trying to force the ESC which ends up causing a fire so completely got ruined in that fight and then you know i but i feel like you need those losses to learn from them so then i took all that experience from that competition and then our second competition was boston mass destruction where we came in first place and you know i think most of the fights were you know we won by ko and uh what was the second part of her question uh advice to new builders uh, what advice would you give to builders who don't come from a traditional engineering background? I would say do do all the research and don't be afraid to try. Like even my first frame, it was horrendous. Like I, I keep it as a trophy piece to, you know, it was somewhere to start. You know, it was with a jigsaw. The cuts were, <laughs> they were ugly. And, um, you know, just just try. Like there's nothing wrong with trying. It doesn't have to be successful. But as long as you've, you know, you'll follow your dreams and you'll get there. Just believe in the process. And most importantly, just believe in yourself. Don't be your biggest enemy. Don't put a cap on your imagination. Yeah. Um, Alicia has a second uh, part of her question. Uh, she wants to know, what are your favorite parts about the robotics community as a whole? Oh, as a whole, I love the, the camaraderie and the love and respect that, you know, builders have. Because at the end of the day, whether it's Norwalk, BattleBots, or whatever competition, everyone earned their spot to be there because yeah. there's no it, there's no easy way to do this stuff. It all requires time. And even if people buy their stuff off the shelves, you still have to put it together, you know, and, there's, and you still have to test it. There's just so much that goes into it. So I really love um, being able, 
you know, just being able to be part of a community that's not toxic. Like the builder side of things is really, it, it's loving. And I, uh, I, I can't see it any other way, you know, just like anything, you know, there's bad apples that exist, but not really in this sport, you know, it's, um, yeah. I would say the love is what, is what brings me back. Even if I had a bad season, you know, I, I don't let it stop me. It's just, you know, I do it for, I do it for me. I do it for the team and I do it for everyone else who, you know, who wants, who wants to get in, you know, I want to inspire others because they inspire me. Yeah. Very cool. Um, moving on to some questions from Mitch Sullivan, who runs Purple People Eater at NHRL. Mitch writes, hey, Evan, I'm a big fan of your robots and your driving. Can you tell us a bit more about how you practice slash learned how to drive? Three Pound Shredded Bro seems to be a fairly simple and standard robot, yet it seems like you drive it in such a way that it makes it so dang dominant. So how did you become a good driver? Uh, so I like this one. So funny enough, you know, like I said, it didn't come from a background where I knew how to do stuff. And especially when it comes to mixing a transmitter. So I would say I had time to make all, you know, nothing but time to make all the mistakes. And when I first started doing Shredder Pro, I wired the thing completely backwards. And I learned, so basically, even though I had it right side up, the controls were were set to it being upside down. So that's why when you see me fight and I'm upside down, I drive better because that's the way I learned how to fight. Um, mm. So yeah, it's like, it's almost embarrassing, but it works in my favor. Like even on whether it's BattleBots and Norwalk, they're like, oh my God, he's driving better upside down. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of how I taught myself. And it wasn't intentional, but it was, <laughs> it was like the gift of the curse. You know, it, for most people, you know, when they're upside down, they get lost with the controls, but my brain just hits the switch and i'm like oh yeah i've been waiting for this <laughs> yeah so uh yeah i would say practice but don't over practice to where you're faking yourself out because there's nothing like the real scenario like practice like you play play like you practice um make sure you're safe but don't think it's like mike tyson's rule like everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face so don't go into a fight thinking you're gonna do all these maneuvers because that person might have you on your heels the whole match and then your whole strategy goes right out the window. Got it. Um, we've got a weird question here from Toby Himmelberger, and I hope this one doesn't, uh, I don't know, if, if you don't know what he's talking about, this might derail the whole thing. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Toby Toby wants to know, is the name Shredded Bro and the color scheme of the robot actually inspired by, quote unquote, that video? I don't know what video you're talking about, Toby. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, so there's this guy who um who I even found once. He screams Shredder Bro at a bunch of the shredded paper company. The the yeah, the shredder company has like uh, a a bunch of trucks or whatever. You know, they you know they do their <laughs> thing, they're a normal business. So there's this guy who screams Shredder Bro and um I wish we were based off of that. That'd be extremely hilarious. <laughs> but um but funny enough, we've we've actually gotten in touch with each other recently and um we plan on doing a collaboration in the near future. You know, we just got to be in the same state at the same time. But uh, no, I've, unfortunately, it didn't come from that. But uh, be prepared for in the you know in the future, there's gonna be a video with layers of the shredded guy possibly yelling at the trucks, the robots, and you know, it's gonna be great. That's dope. I love that. Um, all right. Good, good question, Toby. All right. I was worried that uh, this is going to go off the rails, but uh, it's great. Um, okay. Uh, Paul St. Amand, who runs ER Stingray at NHRL, has a couple questions about the Shredder Bro team. 
Um, so Team Shredit robots appear to be registered with numerous robots at the upcoming Antweight event at the Makerspace CT uh, Makerspace in Hartford, Connecticut at the end of April. So a lot of Team Shredit team members there. Um, how does Shredit Bro support and grow the team in so many weight classes? Well, you know, it's like one of those things, plant them and they will grow. And, um, you know, thankfully to the sport and being such a, you know, a tight community, um, so a few of those guys, like I'll just go off the back, say like Tony and Angel, I know that they're registered in that event for sure. Um, you know, like it all starts with an idea. And, you know, when it came to the heavyweight side that first year, Tony, you know, luckily, you know, he wanted to jump on board and, you know, he, he was a blessing and we got to take care of like, you know, we, we put in that work. Um, that was a rough season, that paint train season. And then I recruited Angel the day that Tony had brought him actually and uh, I forgot what it was. It was like a motor cage design that he was going to refine. It was something with the robot. And the way that he just sat there, took out his little pad and started, you know, went into um, SolidWorks and started redesigning. I was like, I need this kid. He's good spirits. You know, I made him a sandwich that day, too. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I uh, I would say, it, you know, growing the team, it, it's a process. And, um, you know, sometimes you really got, you know, you want to get to know these people, especially if you're going to share a roof with them, uh, pit space with them, uh, you know. But I'm I'm very grateful that, you know, through, you know, Shredder Bro, we were able to create the Team Shredder brand, which has led to so many opportunities. And I'm really proud of every single member on Team Shredder. Uh, like, you name it, from Luke to G, Alex, like, at everyone angel it's they they put the time in and i couldn't be more grateful that they you know because they don't have to register under our, our team name you know they could walk away at any minute but family doesn't walk out on family and i love that yeah um paul has one more question so like is the goal of team shredded to um to basically move people through the weight classes like are you you've taken over three pounds so like is 12 pound next is 30 pound next like um do you, does the entire team basically have these aspirations to go to heavier weight classes? Oh yeah, the whole team. Um, you know, we're well. We're hoping we get back into BattleBots this year with Shredder Bro. But I've talked about I would love to bring Paint Paint Train back. I would love if they were both in the same season. You know, I would hand the keys over to either robot to anyone on the team any day because you know I I love the team. I trust the team and. Um, even the twelve and thirty pound weight classes, we're finally gonna start dabbling in them. I have a 30 pound that's going to debut in a few weeks. Hopefully all my parts come in. Uh, but, you know, May 6th at NHRL, Shred Bull is going to be there. And um, I think a few of us are going to be entering the 12 pounds for the next Norwalk event, uh, including myself. I really want to build one. Nice. And I hope in the future that we could get uh, more sponsors just for the team level, not just BattleBots, because... You know, we have so many ideas and we would love to be in so many more competitions. And, you know, I would love, I personally, uh, I, you know, I can speak on behalf of the team. I'm pretty sure we all want to fight in every weight class. I mean, you have Drew, who is just an animal who could bring like nine different robots and get them all ready for different weight classes. I don't know how he does it. Uh, like, <laughs> I'm amazed. Drew is one of those guys who I don't, like I said, I just don't know how. But that yeah. dude's hands, he's he's something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've got uh, Alex Pick, who runs Zane at NHRL. He writes, Hi, Evan. I'm a big fan of Shreddit, and my first spot was a FingerTech beater bar because of the success of Shreddit Bro. And he apologizes. Sorry, I have a few spicy questions for you. 
Um, so uh, Alex's first spicy question. Uh, I don't know. This is mild spice, Alex. All right. I guess we get spicier. Um, what makes someone a quote unquote aggressive driver? Like when you think about like, you know, most aggressive driver in combat robotics. I don't know. When you think about the second most aggressive driver, or the third most, you know, like what, what traits does an aggressive driver have in combat robotics? I would say no matter how rough the match gets or how things are badly stacked against you whenever you like, especially if you lose your weapon, like if anybody watches my fights, I keep ramming my weapon into you. I don't need it to spin up, you know? I, and, um, and even when there was a match last year where I lost one side of my drive, my weapon, and somehow through like the spirit of wanting to keep fighting, I was crab walking and I was still making my way to be the aggressor. And I'm like, get over here. You know, yeah. uh, it's just just going at them nonstop, not letting anything slow you up, whether it's your weapon gets jammed, your weapon breaks in half, you know, just keep going at them because you could turn the, uh, you know, you could turn around the whole fight. It's not over till it's over. And yeah. like even against uh, when I fought robots like Droopy, that was probably one of the scariest fights in the world where I knew, you know, this thing, it doesn't die. It's like a zombie. Like you knock it back and then it slowly <laughs> approaches you. And it's absolutely terrifying. I love Tommy. Um, but it's, you know, just having that ability to say, you know what, I'm going full send and you're not going to stop me. I don't care if you're still yeah. spinning. You better hope you're still spinning. So yeah. to me, being the most aggressive is just being the most in your face, just like Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson, that dude was all gas, no brakes. And that's that's where, I, you know, for those three minutes, because I haven't had a hot encore in a while, but for those three minutes, you're going to get me in your face for three minutes straight. Yeah. Now, Alex, I know that you didn't ask for, for me to answer this question, but um, for me, like, when I think about aggressive drivers, because um, I've seen a lot of fights at NHRL, um, I, I think sometimes people, they uh, conflate a aggression and chaos and it's not the same like chaos is just um frantic activity inside of the box where when i see aggression it's like the the robot is within a couple inches of their opponent at all times and they are able to capitalize when a moment opens up like i've seen fights with you evan where you've knocked off both wheels of your opponent's robot within 10 seconds just because they they gave you like that one opening and you were able to hit one and then get around to the other and hit the other, you know, uh, hit the other wheel. And like it's it comes from a lot of practice. So, you know, exactly where you are in the box, you can get to any part of the box. And it's this just kind of relentless driving style um, like I. When, when I think of aggressive drivers, like I think of the Brazilians, like AGBS is incredibly aggressive, um, but it's not chaotic. It is aggressive and controlled um, so that you're able to just deal out a huge amount of um, violence in a short amount of time. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a great question. It's such such a key part of success in, in the sport. Absolutely. Um, I love the Brazilian. I love how Brazilian builders get down. I can't wait to go to Brazil one day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like they, they, I feel like they play at my speed and they're a huge uh, part of what inspires me. Yeah. Even yeah. that fight against Wasabi. I never, I, I gave that dude such a solid hug afterwards. Cause that was, that was amazing. Like to me, it's not about winning, you know, it's about the whole the chaos and man, they bring it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we should uh, we should we should fly down together. Yeah, oh. that that'd be like really fun. Oh, that'd um, be a dream. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Speaking of aggressive uh, drivers, uh, I guess aggressive driving, Alex has a follow-up question. How is being aggressive different driving in the Beatles versus the heavyweights? And what does aggression look like with a robot that isn't doing everything that the transmitter says? Oh, well, it's hard when everything doesn't translate over. Um, even with like, you know, I know my abilities with three pound shredder, bro. I've had so much time on the sticks with that. And then, you know, um, I would say every BattleBot season till to date, we always get in last or last minute or it's always, you know, first two paint trains was within a month of the competition. And then this year we had just slightly a little bit more time and, you know, tuning the ESCs to drive well is a big difference. But I would say uh, you would want to take those same principles of being in everyone's face. You don't want to like let up because the second you let someone spin up, it's it's like you did it to yourself. And even if your weapon goes down, just keep throwing it at them because their weapon might go down or you might, you know, who knows, maybe you'll knock their controllers out. You know, these things do happen. So I would say it's just keep those same principles, like practice like you play, play like you practice. And one big thing I'm big on, which is uh, like, I guess, advice for anyone. When you get into the test box before a tournament, hit all your corners and hit your corners, like not physically run into them. But try to do figure eights and like get your boundaries of what your robot can and can't handle at different speeds. Because right before a tournament, I'll do that. I'll do my figure eights. I'll get an idea where the walls are, where the corner is, and then that's it. I don't need to go anymore from there. That's really good advice. Um, Alex has a third question. From your perspective, which Fingertech Beater Bar robot, other than Shredder Bro, is the best at NHRL right now? Ooh. You know what? That's actually a great question. There's so many. Oh, yeah. wow. Because you had, uh, I, I can name some that I've even lost to, like Dread Hades. He yeah. brings it. He he yeah. really brings it. And then you have, um, oh, my God, what's uh, Dominic's son? I told oh. Dominic I'm going to recruit his son one day. I'm not joking <laughs> about that. Judge's oh dream, Hunter. Yes, yes, Hunter. I love that kid so much. Like, you know, I'm sorry. I love that young man so much because he's a young man. He's great. And my God, the energy behind him, if he ever decides to make his own heavyweight, I'd be like, how Like, how do I get Team Shredded on you? You know, and I'm not joking, man. If you're listening to this, I'm looking to recruit you, man. I've been talking about it. I've even told <laughs> your dad, I'll, you know. Yeah. So I would say they, they come to mind, you know, because they, like I said, I, I – I've I've personally lost to them and even have like Yes Chef, which uh, I think yeah. Yes Chef was the first fight that I've ever had that my weapon e- my weapon motor and I'm the ESC it poofed on me. I was like, hey, I yeah. can't handle what he's putting out, and it really opened up my eyes to Alex because I think that was his first competition, and I'm like, man, you 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 got it. So yeah, the three robots right there: Judge's Dream, Yes Chef, and um, oh my god, I. My brain slipped me already. And uh, Dread Hades. There we go. Dread Hades. Yeah, that's what I, I started with. Yeah, yeah. Though Those come to mind. And, you know, there's yeah. just so many now. So many other beta bars. And uh, I hope, you know, I hope to fight them all. And all, all for the best of reasons. You know, they, you know, I learn something every time. Win or lose. And that, yeah. that's what I really like. So, yeah, those, those beta bars, they work. They work great. I'm going to uh, give a special shout out to Robert Walsh and Apex as well. And um, I know that now it's custom, but up until last year, it was a fingertip beater bar. But uh, Tony and uh, and start and um, and Bla- Blackbird, you know, uh, Blackbird's incredible. So, uh, yeah, those it's it's a 
it's a dominant design for a reason, you know? It's it just works at, at the three pound level. Right on. I, I actually forgot. Yeah, Tony now runs the um runs the finger tech bar and now he has uh those knuckles that work really yeah. well. You know, those things they hit hard and you know, if I, I personally don't want my belts meeting those knuckles because it it looks like the perfect design to snap them right off. But yeah, Tony, yeah. I, I, I love how everyone has a different element and Tony's element, you know, he's more like um like an animal watching in the jungle he's like waiting for his moment to pounce and when he pounces man does he get the kill yeah um all right and a final spicy question from alex pick um is shredded bro in your opinion a a still a top tier beetle and if it isn't what would make it a top tier beetle oh absolutely to me it's top tier i've never doubted that robot you know we're we, you know, for the most time, we get close to the finals. Even last year, we took Motorama. And, you know, you always can't win first place. And that's, you know, that's yeah. just it. And I've never, I never go to a competition, you know, seeing first place. Even at BattleBots, so I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm coming for that giant nut. Like, yeah, that's the goal. But realistically, you know, I'm just there to fight. And if I get to that point, you know, if I get to giant nut, golden dumpster, it's cool. Um, yeah. But I do think Shredder Bro, it definitely, where it's at right now, we're looking to upgrade it. So that's why we're not bringing it to the May 6 Norwalk. We're going to focus on Shred Bull. And the Norwalk after that, you're going to see some new upgrades on Shredder Bro because there are a lot of things that we want to take from, you know, the past few years. And it's time we elevate, you know, get more, you know, more cells in that robot. But, you know, with that, we have to find the weight, you know, for a bigger battery. Um, you know, changing up the battery capacity, the weapon motor, just stuff like that. And, you know, we're looking to come back harder and stronger than ever. And I think, um, I, you know, I, I think, uh, I think it will get back to where it used to be. Not that it's fallen off. It's just the competition has gotten so strong, you know, yeah. and I, and I love it. I yeah. love seeing everyone grow. I, I think that's, that's the weird part. It's like, I don't have to win to enjoy. And I really, I just love watching the sport evolve in the past three years, it, it's it's gotten so amazing and uh, yeah. i'm i'm truly grateful to see it all go down and actually be a part of it i i realize now we're 50 minutes into this interview and we've done maybe 20 percent of the questions <laughs> so uh, if this is not going to become a five hour uh interview so we're gonna do let's let's try and do a couple of rapid fire questions and answers okay um and we'll see if we can get through like i don't know maybe 10 in 10 minutes okay um nhl's community director gil hova uh, writes Evan. I think one thing that defines you is your determination. No matter how things get, you just don't quit. We're seeing that possibly start to pay off as 250 pound Shredder Bro seems to be finally over its weapon issues, or at least taking a big step towards solving them in its win against Overhaul. With all that in mind, one of the things that you dealt with in 2022 is your Beetleweight Shredder Bros weapon breaking in several NHRL events. What was the cause of those failures, and how did you solve them? So yeah, those those are fun. Um, I got to learn a little bit more more about materials and how much they could handle, and those bars. You know, I I uh, I ran them past their point, and I think the hardness was a little bit too much. They were made out of S seven, and you know, depending on you know what you're going against, uh, and know how hard that thing is spinning, you know, the harder object will always win. So when you take you know those nice big AR you know AR five hundred disc. It, you know, it split the bar right and, you know, right where I would have wanted to split. And also a lesson that I learned on those bars is the the profiles on them were too, just too slim. 
And that was part of the issue uh, between being the wrong material, the wrong hardness, and also just not being, you know, beefy enough where you needed it. That also played a factor. And that's why these new bars, I think we ran, we have like maybe two or three of them. And they're still all in great shape, regardless of how much we dished out. Only, you know, only because, you know, we we thickened the profiles. Because I'm not a fan of uh, having bars break. Because, you know, at that point, it's like, yeah, you could weld it, but why? <laughs> so it's, it won't yeah so i'd rather uh you know so when we hit the drawing board uh luckily cory mason um he's he's amazing uh he he actually helped us uh thicken those profiles that we needed and you know next thing you know we're, you know we're back in action where we're getting you know little nicks taken care of you know taken out of it rather than having it explode Got it. Cool. Um, we've got a question here from Chad. He's a new builder from Team Death Invaders. He just built his first 150 gram plastic fairy weight, and he says that Shredder Bro is a big inspiration for him. Um, Chad asks, "What advice do you have for someone who's just getting started in the sport?" Thanks. Ooh, my best advice I would say is, um, like I would say, research is a big part of it, but have fun with your robot. Like you know, you know, put it in a place where you know you're safe to test it out. And don't don't be afraid to experiment. And honestly, I love people who build robots in that weight class because I guess I have like these sausage fingers and I think it's amazing to make these small bots. You know, it's, yeah. it's like I, I would love to make one one day. I think it's really cool. Even ant weights. I think they're so awesome. And I would say just just build it. Don't be afraid. Uh, you know, it, it reminds me of surfing, um, which is like a quote that I made up. It's like I've never been more proud of my failures. Because you don't have to hit every wave, but you're going to smile just trying to do so, you know, and I would say just really enjoy the process and, and just have fun with it. Because if you're not having fun, it's not worth it. So just make sure, you know, just keep reminding yourself, even when you're testing and again, stressed out, remind yourself of why I'm doing this and, you know, and just, you know, keep going at it as happy as you can be. Yeah. Zasa2 has a question about the Shreddit bro slash, I guess, Shreddit clone uh, beater bar design in general, uh, writing, there's no doubt that Shreddit's design has had massive influence on the American beetleweight scene. It was just a few years ago that Norwalk got a lot of criticism for being overwhelmed with Shreddit clones. How does it feel from a creative standpoint to have helped popularize this design? Does it make you feel proud to see so many people inspired by what you built? Or would you rather people explore other less successful concepts to try and elevate those um, those kind of like more experimental designs? Yeah, I say, you know, there's a lot of people who, you know, shine a negative light on the whole beat a bar thing or what they call kits. But what people don't understand is not everyone comes from an engineering background. And, you know, luckily we have these things that exist today that people have, you know, you, you need a, you need a way to get your foot in the door. So, I mean, even with uh, me with Shredder Bro, like people would complain to me that, I'll, you know, are you still using the finger tech kit? And then I would say, last time I checked, I have golden dumpsters with it and you don't, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I, I try to be like, you know, nice and polite to everyone. But if you say something yeah. that feels like is negative and trying to like poop on another builder, I'm going to I'm going to dish it right back. I don't I don't like yeah. that stuff. So I love that they're shredded clones. Even Austin has said, you know, you got shredded and the bros, which I think is hilarious. Um, yeah. But even like I've. I, like I love that they're shredded clones because you know it's it, it, it's it's weird for me when and not even weird I get I get happy when people say you know oh I, I was inspired off your robot and you know they look the same and it's like 
you know, I, I appreciate you. That's that's really awesome. I'm I'm happy to see you here. You know, so yeah. I I love seeing shredded clones because I would love to see more. I would love to see more people get involved. And yeah. I you know I I wish uh, I I wish so many people get get involved. And I would say if people give you any sort of negative feedback for making a shredded clone or a Lynx clone or whatever type of clone. Uh, tell them to finish their beetle like their input does not matter because at the end of the day you're having fun you're doing what you like to do and you know don't let anyone stop you don't let people rain on your parade so i would say make all the clones you want you know you got to start somewhere and inspiration got to come from somewhere so i i honestly i low-key thank everyone that i see shredded clones and usually they kick in the butts of the people who try to joke on shredded clones so ha 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 to all the people who hate them (laughs) <laughs> that the, one of the things that I really like about this sport is that people get into the sport for different reasons. People have different backgrounds when they get into the sport and they want to explore different parts of the sport, you know, like um, some of our most dominant drivers in the sport drive kit bots, you know, like I think about like Lars Elliott, you know, he's driving a kit bot and like for him, he's really interested in honing his skills as a driver, becoming the best driver he can be. And, you know, there's other people, you know, like I think about like Joey Gannon, for example, who just build these really cool experimental robots or, you know, like Joe Fabiani, you know what I mean? Like they're really inspired by how creative you can be with your building and they're always trying to build something new or interesting or different. And that's also really cool. Um, You know, like there are people who are kind of inspired by both, you know, like I think about Jameson Go, you know, like really great builder, really great driver, you know, he's like pretty, pretty balanced. I I don't know. It's like, I, I, I don't think there's just one path for people. And I don't think there's just one reason why you get into the sport or why you're inspired by the sport. Um, And our tent is big enough that it allows for lots of people to go into a competition with different goals. So um, yeah, that's a, it's a thought provoking question. It's, it's a good one, you know? Um, And I don't want to like ever like gatekeep it, you know, where you're like, Oh, you know, like this person's doing this for a different reason than me. So like, they're not as cool as I am. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, right on. Just like, uh, I don't know. Like it's a, it's an open and accepting sport. So like run the sport the way that you want to run it. You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. So cool. I, and um, I love that we have people ranging from kids to like, you know, my man who drives ZZ Bot, you know, yeah. which I'm happy he, you know, he had a, a procedure recently yeah. uh, for, you know, some medical stuff. And he like he also inspires me. And I feel like those people go to show you it doesn't matter, you know, when and where, just as long as you're doing so, because you all, you know, everyone has a different mindset, as you said, like, like Joe Fabiani and Jameson, those are two people who I absolutely love. And I love what they bring to the table because Soul Blaze is a marvel of its own. And Joe yeah. Fabiani, he just, he makes the, these robots and I'm like, dude, how, you know, and it's, I love it. And he was actually a big driving factor on Pain Train V1. And I can never thank him enough. Yeah. Um, we've got some good questions here from Ryder Liangle. Um, so Ryder, uh, we kind of covered this one. So I'll, I'll ask the second question here. Uh, Ryder wants to know, what are some of the biggest differences between fighting at NHRL and fighting at BattleBots from your perspective? Oh, so the biggest difference would be turnaround time. Uh, mm-hmm. That is one thing that uh, 
I personally like this year as people seen sometimes our weapon shaft would bend and it would bend where our weapon shaft would bolt into the shaft itself and that created a weak point and let me tell you how difficult it is to get out a weapon shaft from a heavyweight <laughs> where you know uh luckily the tantrum guys big shout out to them i i probably came to the pit every time we needed to borrow their uh their press because uh that was fun and it was almost like full eight hour shifts to get that thing out like we were banging it and going back on the press and then getting hammers getting another piece of scrap material to try to put through the robot through the shaft and keep banging it out that was that was a nightmare so i would say you know when you go to like beetleweight events uh, you know depending on the event you have 20 or 30 minutes to have a turnaround time which that's why it's always good to have a second robot no matter which competition you're in because you could do one up one down but that would, that's the major difference that i think nobody thinks about i mean forget forget the fighting it's how you roll out after a fight right yeah um midwestern combat robotics builders andrew freetag and stephanie spooner both want to know well andrew writes this uh, stephanie asks this in a different way uh andrew writes uh sep route when's your uh, when's your next outing to a Merca event and will you actually compete this time we want you back for another round oh yeah so there was a, a Merca event uh it's no no longer a Merca event but um i would you know i ended up being a judge that competition and I, I learned a lot about judging and how hard it is and realized I I think I'd be a judge if I ever retired from fighting. Yeah. And I don't know how comfortable I'd be because, you know, uh, I had pulled my robots registration, but they never pulled it out from the roster um, for that event. And I I honestly, I look forward to it because it's a whole, a whole different scene of robots. You got some really cool, wack, you know, not even wacky robots, like some interesting stuff. Like there was a robot I saw called Idiot Sandwich and it, it was <laughs> it was so good. It, it's one of those robots you can't forget. And it would be an honor to fight robots as silly as that to the hard-hitting ones like Peter Garnash's uh, Ablation. So hopefully yeah. this year, you know, with hope, schedule willing, hopefully this year, next year, I'll be able to travel to that side because, uh, you know, they got some great builders and I love connecting with, you know, everyone in the sport, especially I love traveling for it. You know, yeah. it's uh, I traveled and I was in bands for a long time and I've traveled more fighting robots than I ever will with a band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a Merca event. I, I want to get out to one one of those, too. So maybe we can carpool one of these days and go oh, yeah. to Ohio or something like that, you know? Oh, I would love that, especially Ohio. The only memory I have of Ohio is getting a speeding ticket on my first season of BattleBots. I was gunning it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Ohio looks like a cool place. Uh, I would, yeah, I would love to check out these Merca events. But yeah, Luke, that sounds great. We could definitely yeah, tag up for Brazil and some Merca. There we go. This is good. Um, all right. Power Surge 2 builder Chris Caps um, writes, Hey, Evan, my main man. First, I want to say thank you for everything you and Team Shredder have done. You've taught me everything I know, and I wouldn't be where I am today without you guys. It was so great watching Shredder Bro finally work this past week on BattleBots. One question. When are we going to have a match at Norwalk? Ooh, I hope that soon, you know, um, that definitely could happen and i really like that i've got to see him evolve as well he yeah. went from you know having all these like little gremlins to now he's kicking bot and taking names and yeah. um, i I, lo I like seeing his growth and 
hopefully, you know, this next, you know, well, not not for May, but hopefully in July we get to fight. And if not, you know, we can definitely run a one-on-one. It's just hard sometimes with these events, especially when you go deep in the bracket. You know, some people want to grudge match you, but it's like, hey, I'm still in the tournament, you know. <laughs> but uh, I hope with Chris, you know, that time is coming. And, um, you know, don't uh, don't look too forward to it. I'm not going to go easy on you. And yeah. uh, and I hope I hope you do the same. I hope you give me give me help. Yeah, you know it's it's cool because like I when I think about Team Stamina and Johnny Sumpas, I I see a lot of parallels between you and Johnny and that like you're both like building robot families, you know, and like Johnny's like his all of his robot builders they're like in high school, yours are you know like out of out of school out of college and all of that you know older but like both teams very good vibes very open and inviting and like i'm just i just really like the the team dynamic for for stamina so yeah um i'm happy for them you know as you said they got great guys on that team and yeah you know it's i'm happy to see another team do their thing and you know you know congrats to johnny i think he just became a member of team malice so I'm very happy for him, you know. Yeah. I like personally seeing him too grow in the sport. You know, he gets his robots ready. You know, he has good vibes, and to me, that's that's having the right character to fit the team. Definitely, it it helps because you know it just makes everything flow a lot better, and it makes you and your team more comfortable. And watching Team Stamina, you know, I I applaud them for all their hard work and. You know, hopefully one day they give a run for our money. I'm trying to make the most aggressive team and family, and I hope they're doing the same, and I see it. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, final question about the Beetleweights uh, from prolific NHRL builder and our friend Corey Nason, who wants to know, Evan, my brother, when are we going to have a match? So, uh, Corey, Corey wants it. I've been I've been avoiding – like, it's crazy because I'm so grateful for the brackets, how they've been set up, because I think I fought everyone else at this point, and – I haven't fought Corey, and he makes some scary stuff. Um, yeah. So Corey, uh, I know I know you've been waiting, but um, keep waiting. <laughs> <laughs> or or you know what? He actually he was a big driving factor in helping me design Shredbull, and um, I see what what he's bringing between the Beatles. You know, he just brings so many cool robots. I give so much credit to that man. Um, yeah. that's that's a solid brother through and through, and um, yeah. I, I appreciate Corey on all levels and. I, I could see us fighting in the 30 pounds. I don't want to. I protest it. But, um, you know, I, I got to do it. I got to do one day. And um, so does he. And it's definitely going to be one of those fights where one of us, if not both of us, are getting roofed. So <laughs> that's going to yeah. be crazy. And he makes some killer robots. So that's yeah. where I'm like, man, if I don't have to fight, I can live my whole career being being all right with not fighting him. <laughs> and he knows it. I tell him all the time. I'm like, nope, no, I got to fight you. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like kind of speaking about motivations too. Like, I I love Corey's motivations because, like, he's I think he's probably brought more unique robots, like individual. Like, I he's probably easily brought a dozen total robots so far to NHRL, and he's so motivated by making smaller versions of bigger robots. Like, I mean, in this last event, he made a three pound version of. Um, of depth charge, which just, it's like a perfect scale model replica of depth charge. And it's like, um, dude, like that's awesome. Like, like that's the thing that like tickles his, his brain, you know, like do it, man. Like that's so cool. Yeah. And I really, I give him so much credit. He's taught me a lot. Um, especially over the past few weeks, 
Um, and Corey, he just he has that ability to just recreate these robots with his added flavor and give him his own touch. And man, they they do the you know they do what they do, and that's why I don't want to fight him. <laughs> I'm totally good. But uh, yeah, I love seeing his ability to just create these robots. And you know, he has like an army. Honestly, he has such an interesting story. And you know, people would think that he does this for a living, but you know, he actually. He's a very selfless man who gives himself back to society. Uh, he's a nurse for anyone who doesn't know. So um, I, I have nothing but love and respect for that guy. And the, his, like I said, his ability to create robots, it's its unmatched. I don't think anyone could do that. You know, it's cool, it, it, like, between Corey and guys like Drew who could just make all make so many cool wicked things that actually work, you know, <laughs> and they work really well. And that's why I don't want to fight them. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's see. Uh, an hour and 10 minutes into this, uh, we are finally getting into heavyweights. We're going to start with questions about Pain Train. Um, oh. Starting off with Team Omega team member and our friend, of course, Tony D'Ambrosio, who writes, Brother, I couldn't be more thankful for our friendship and that you let me be a part of the first season with Pain Train. More importantly, I couldn't be more proud at the success you've had on all levels of the sport, and I'm happy to have had a front row seat for all of it. So let's hop into the Wayback Machine. What is your favorite memory from that first season with Pain Train V1? Um, and then he writes, pre-match Wu-Tang and B.I.G. forever. <laughs> so I think Tony hit the nail on the head. So this is why I learned, if you're wearing a mic, assume everyone can hear you. So, <laughs> before, <laughs> so our first fight, uh, you know, I, I want to say before I get into this, thank you, Tony. I love you, man. And um that first season, you know, that that was something else. It was really an eye opener in many ways for uh for what you know what was to come in this this whole environment. But um, me and Tony are mic'd up, and we, you know we're having like pre fight jitters. I think it was against Slamo, um, and then we're just rapping Wu Tang and um and <laughs> Biggie going back and forth like you would think we're putting on a show for someone, and then um and then we hear Chris Rose say, you know, we can hear you, right? <laughs> and my <laughs> and my jaw just drops and i'm like oh my god i was like hi <laughs> hey guys and it was so embarrassing but yeah that's when we learned you know just like anything if there's a camera on assume it's on if there's a microphone on you assume everyone's listening because chances are somebody is and you know definitely chris and kenny heard us go through some some new york rap uh that's awesome yeah, good times, good times. Uh, having them call you out, you know, that was something else. I was like, oops, <laughs> got me. That's funny. Um, Bloodsport team member Seth Schaefer from Team Just Cause Robotics writes, what was the motivation behind using the name Pain Train on BattleBots rather than Shredbro initially? And then why did you rebrand the robot later to Shredbro? So good, good question, Seth. Uh, you know, uh, wow, oh, that was that's a solid one. So originally, when I first got into the scene, this is like right before it was a month from season five. And Joe Fabiani had actually asked me to be on SME and I was working with him. And then I was like, hey, man, do you mind if I try to put an application? He was like, I'll do you better. I'll, I'll help you, you know. And um, so as I approached Greg Munson and we started talking, you know, uh, you know, it was just a silver robot, no really color or flavor added or anything. 
and I was dabbling between two names. And Pain Train is a callback from the Marines. We had Sergeant Pantarelli in infantry school. Uh, he was one of the finest mortarmen in the world. And um, Sergeant Pantarelli, anytime he said "woo woo," we would have to scream the you know, whole platoon scream "Pain Train." So it's uh. just one of those things that would stick, right? I I love Sergeant Pantarelli, great guy, um, and fine Marine. Um, so. Uh, when I was trying to pitch the robot name to Greg Munson, you know, I wanted to do Shredder Bro, but he's like, ah, uh, you know, it's very close to like Shredderator, you know, Captain Shredderator. And then I jokingly said Pain Train. He's like, ha, I love it. And I was like, oh, man. So, you know, I guess that's the name, you know. And uh, we went with Pain Train and, you know, it was uh, the branding for it was like, uh, like at first, you know, it wasn't the best, but it got a little easy. And, you know, we leaned to like almost like uh like the warriors or like MC look for as far as like the branding and everything. And I went with, you know, instead of white and blue, like shredder bro, we went with black and blue and that's kind of how that got started. And with me with pain train, that's why I tell people it will come back one day because eventually we rebranded to shredder bro because trying to get back into battle bots with the record that it had, that's very hard. Um, they they don't see it as you know you got better at every fight it's not it's not a successful robot so um even you know having a month you know both uh patron v1 and v2 was a month out from the competition where we got into the show uh and you know those problems shown like even when it came time to you know the first few fights uh polyurethane was on back order so we ended up making silicone wheels and then that's why eventually oh Sorry, my headset came out. That's why eventually, um, when Joe Fabiani, when he arrived, he had, uh, you know, these uh, vulcanized rubber wheels. And then that's when you see us get a good ground game going. And, um, you know, and I would say both years of pain train, our third fight was canceled. Uh, The first year it was against Slapbox. And then the second year it was, uh, we were supposed to fight Ice Wave, but then they ended up putting Fusion to fight. And I would say having... You know, just having those extra fights, you get to learn a lot about your robot. And same thing, like had they cut our fights this year, you know, down to two fights, it would have been it would have been terrible. But now that we had a full schedule, you get to see all the improvements we make without it having to be a second competition waiting to see where its potential is. And it's always happened that way, even, you know, those those seasons and even this year, you know, we you know, we had to work through the hiccups with the small time window we were given. And that's why, fans, if you're listening, if you want us to return, tell BattleBots you want us to return. Uh, that that would do us a great help. Because uh, when you're put into a small build window, you, you're going to get the gremlins. And I'd rather figure them out at home rather than at the competition. Um, so with the rebranding with Shredder Bro, you know, Shredder Bro had built up a name. You know, we were known worldwide. And uh, even on uh, BattleBots in Season 6, they had even put Shredder Bro on TV. And I thought that was amazing. I was like, oh, my God. To me, it's like the little beetle that could, you know. And um, so that was the direction we went in. And I and I wanted to take all my combined experience and actually use it for Shredder Bro and start building off of that. And that's why I tell people, Pain Train, it's, you know, I'm not retiring it. It will be back one day. But just in a, in a time and place where we're actually given more build time. And, you know, I feel like we had to, you know, pay our dues you know, and, and had to have these mistakes, you know, because you learn a lot from the mistakes, but pain train will make a return. And whether it's I'm driving it or someone else from the team is driving it, like it would be awesome to have both shut up on pain train and the same, and the same thing. But, um, 
Yeah, I would say the rebranding definitely helped and it gave us an opportunity with a name that everyone's familiar with. And to be honest, I that was the first name I originally pitched. So to me, it kind of came full circle. And I definitely want to touch up on the full circle thing. At my first competition, I was pit next to Jameson Go. And it's so hard not to fangirl over such an awesome guy. And I feel like the whole time, like he would try to make a little conversation. And I'm like, yeah, uh-huh, because I'm not trying to show my true emotions there. And he saw, man, I'm lucky I got to call a guy like that my brother. Even now I say, you know, that's my biological brother. You just can't, like, tell sometimes. You have to see us from the same angle. But I – and then, uh, man, that, that was awesome, and especially for your first competition, you know, that my first beetle weight. And then next thing you know, at BattleBots this year, who do we pit next to? We pit next to Jameson Go. And I'm yeah. like, man, it's really coming full circle. So I feel like the rebranding was necessary. It helped us get back in for sure. And um, it, it almost gave me like a sense of peace, whether we come back or not, which I hope we do. I'm I'm very happy to see just how everything played out. Yeah. So, yeah. So rebranding Shredder Bro, it was unfortunately it was necessary for now. But Pain Train will be back. And um, and I can't wait for that day because Pain Train you know, the first one was rough. We didn't realize that those bearings couldn't handle what we were trying to dish out. And then the second year, we found out those small weapon motors couldn't handle uh, spinning the weapon with just one of them because the weapon was so heavy. So we took all those lessons and the, um, you know, Shrebro's weapon was a fine weight in between the two, which even when we lost a weapon motor, now with a big weapon motor, it was still, you know, still going. As people see in my son, the overhaul fight, we, you know, we lost a belt, but the other one was, you know, it had enough power to keep on going. And, you know, hopefully I get to take those lessons back into Pain Train one day. I would love to bring Pain Train back. So don't count it out. It will come back. Awesome. Um, we're going to transition over to asking questions about this season and 250-pound Shredder Bro. Um, we have so many questions that I think I'm just going to select maybe one from from each person. So sorry if you sent in multiple questions. Um, I'm going to try and be judicious here. Um, so we'll start with a question from Mammoth team member Brandon Bennett-Young. Absolutely love Brandon. Um, he was on the pod just a couple of weeks ago. He sent in four questions. They're all very good, but I'm going to choose the best. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's great. Um, if you could choose one robot from the past seasons, ABC or Discovery era, that you'd want to fight with Shredder Bro, which robot would you choose to fight? I would love to. I am so mixed on this one. There's so many good ones. I would love if Bombshell did a return. Like, I I would totally fangirl. And I don't know if people know from when I fight people, I am so interested in your robot before and after because yeah. I would say, like, builders are the biggest fans. You know, you get so deeply involved. But if I saw Bombshell make a return, I would lose my mind. I'd buy all of their merch. I'd be like, here, just take my wallet. Do whatever you want with it. You know, I would love to see Bombshell. Um, uh, you know, as everyone knows, I would love to see Bite Force make a return. I would love a fair shot at him. I'm not afraid, you know, no matter the competition, even like with Deep Six, I wanted that fight. You know, I want the big, scary machines. So I would love to take on, you know, such an honorable champion. Even someone like Tombstone, uh, you know, watching, you know, Ray's journey. Ray's actually such a cool guy. You know, and um, I, I would like to take on the heaviest hitters they got. So, yeah, Bombshell, Tombstone, Bite Force, bring them all. I want them all. 
Nice. Robert Walsh, who runs Apex at NHRL, writes, Hi, Evan. Nice one on Thursday night. It was an amazing fight. Uh, he sends in three questions. I'm only going to ask one. Sorry, Robert. Um, what changes did you make to Shredder Bro to get everything working correctly and reliably for that overhaul fight? So, like, Robert, just for a little bit of context, um, all four of Shredder Bro's fights, they happened within a week. Is that right? Yes. Evan? Yes. So, like... Monday, struggling with Horizon by Saturday, Sunday, just dominating with overhaul. So, like, what happened within that week to to make the robots' um, performance improve so much? So, I would say things got better. Um, I, like, it really got better when Rory gave us a hand. And if anybody doesn't know, Rory Mangles from Monsoon. He is one of the kindest people I've ever met. And... Uh, we, you know, our, our drive, it was, it was terrible. I got to admit like, and it, and it hurt for us because when the weapon made contact, it made contact. And I'm the type of person I like to be the aggressor the whole match. You know, I'll chase you down, like go wherever you want. I'll be right there. Um, but the robot, it wasn't translating and we had found out the front wheels had startup torque, but would lose power and just do like a weird stutter motion. And then the rear wheels, they had no startup torque, but they could handle maintaining speed. So more or less uh, having Rory give us a hand, that was the biggest change that you've seen. Like, you know, because we try to do little tweaks in the overhaul fight and um, I'm sorry, not overhaul uh, against Ominous. And, you know, it wasn't enough. Uh, But when Rory managed to, you know, give us a hand, give us 10 minutes of his time. And honestly, it was the best 10 minutes ever because in the next fight against Lucky, I could finally square up with my opponent. But unfortunately, our weapon ESCs had burnt out, which really hurt. We couldn't get a spin up going. And that was actually a common problem with those weapon ESCs because there was uh, the casings were touching the components. And, you know, there was like nothing that was like really, I don't want to say like electrical proof, but it was it was creating unnecessary sparking issues, which would burn them out. And unfortunately, that's what happened in that fight. We couldn't get it spinning. And then by the overhaul fight, we kind of got it all figured out and we're ready to hit the ground running. And, you know, it finally had came all together between having the drive ESCs tuned properly where they're all in unison and then also not having the weapon ESCs giving out on us. That was the big difference. Like, it's it's literally just all the electronics. Because electronics aside, I knew how the robot could fight, but it was just getting it to that point where it all translates well. Because even when you take it from the test box to the arena, like even during the lucky fight that spun up, you know, spun up in the test box, but the second we go to spin up in the fight, it, uh, you know, rip. (laughs) So, yeah, it was just, you know, all tuning issues. And that's a lesson I'm taking into next year. It's either we fine tune it way ahead of time with the same settings or we just go to different electronics that may be more reliable. Nice. Uh, Drew Monteith sends us in four questions. Unfortunately, Drew, I'm only going to ask one, (laughs) but Drew, Hmm. these are great questions. Um, But first he writes, I want to start by saying that I appreciate how you have responded to some of the criticism that's been posted in the BattleBots Facebook group. You always stay classy, even when people have no clue what they're talking about and they start running their mouths. So uh, Drew is a, fan of your classiness and i am too um so (sighs) ju asks one of his four questions um if you were to build something other than a drum what design would you like to attempt i am a big soul blaze fan i think making something like that because soul blaze you know it's not like a drum where 
you know, or like a beater where you're just like face at them. It's like you need skill to operate a, a hammer saw. Uh, as, as far as I'm concerned, because even I, I'm not going to lie to you guys, I may have a 12 pound hammer saw for July or I might go the beater route. So nice. that's something I even reached out to Jameson because I didn't want to, you know, step on any toes like, hey, man, like if I did this, he's like, hey, you know what? You have my blessing. You never had to ask. I love Jameson. Uh, but um, I would say a hammer saw because you really you have to bring it and you have to time it because you also wouldn't like like I feel like as easily as you could knock someone's belt, you could also do damage to yourself. So I feel like it's one of those uh, robot designs. You really have to place your shots. And when you place them, oh, man, there's nothing like hearing whether it's Megatron or Soul Blaze, hearing that thing whirl up before the hit. I was like, oh, you know, it's coming to me watching a hammer saw fight reminds me of like that moment on a roller coaster when your hands are up and you're about to hit the drop and you're looking down yes. and you know it's like deep, 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 and it goes slow that's what that is to me it's like oh my god here it comes here it comes so i would definitely I, i'm interested in the hammer saw uh that's that's it's on my to-do list but it also is a lot of time and effort put in and even recently i'm looking at his stuff for a reference and i'm like how do you do it you know, and you even have like amazing robots, like even like Scorpios who do it. And I'm like, I don't know how you guys do it, but I will learn. <laughs> like I will learn. But that that's definitely one of those. Hammer souls are cool. That's cool. Um, insect Week builder Kyle Cuffrey um, sends us in four questions. I'm only going to choose one. Sorry, Kyle. Um, <laughs> uh, Kyle asks, what changes do you have planned for next season? Ooh. So finally, I've been talking about it for years. It's just, like I said, having a month time window, it's hard enough building the robot as is. I want to do a flamethrower so bad. And we've talked about the possibility of doing like a blue flame or even if the flame is red. I definitely want to. Uh, oh, man, I, I this is a two part for me. So between flames and also there's I don't know if anybody knows uh, both mics from uh, Team Defective, the, the Voxel gang. Voxel V1 and Voxel Carmen, uh, they're actually, Little Mike decided to recreate the weapon uh, in, a, in his own fashion from the first paint train application. So I do, I definitely want to go back to the beta drum hybrid because this year we ran mm. a drum and I love the drum, but I definitely want something that's a little funky and that's something to look out for. I, uh, I hope team forgive me for spilling the beans on that one, but uh, I definitely want to, bring something that you haven't seen and we're going to make it a little more flashy. Um, Shredder bro was very basic. I even talked to Munson about it um, at some point in the season after the main part of the season. And um, I, you know, we're going to add a little more flair. So think about if Tron and Shredder bro had a baby, that's the route nice. we're going in. Good. Um, Cody Krauss writes, I have a question about the team outfits. What was the inspiration? Obviously, biker culture, of course. Um, but he asks, I noticed that you don't wear the patches anymore. Did something happen or was something said to you guys? Oh, so th that's that's a real great one. So back, it sent me on a journey. So um, back last year, maybe like January, February, Someone reached out to our, our Facebook page and they said, hey, someone's going to make a live stream about you in an hour. Um, I, th I, I thought you guys should know or whatever. Um, and there's my face and it's from the channel Demons Row. And it was calling us a fake MC. And I'm like, oh, mm. my God. Right. 
So I, uh, we had about an hour to prepare and, you know, cause I knew I had to handle this, whatever this is, but we, um, we heard his show, you know, he went off about it and he said, he really doesn't see a problem. The only problem he saw with our outfits is we claim territory because even, uh, his name's Sosta Ghost. He's a great guy uh, who runs the demons row channel and they consider it the Holy grail, the M you know, MC culture, which is true. It's a great channel. Check out for anyone who wants to, who wants to like learn about, and you know, the whole MC community. Um, so, uh, yeah, we get, you know, they let us know. So then we're watching a show and then they take live calls and, you know, cause there was a few fans that were complaining that we're acting like a fake motorcycle gang. And to me, that's the issue. They're not gangs, they're clubs and we're not on bikes. We're not doing, you know, we're not posing. It's, a, it's an outfit to be mad at us is like being mad at like Jax Teller from Sons of Anarchy or being mad at the Mayans. It's like, it's, it's a TV show, like calm down. Right. But Sosa Ghost, when he talked about it, he said the same, you know, same thing. It's like, you know, he really doesn't see a problem with it. Maybe claiming a territory on the back of the vest, that's an issue. Uh, but that's really about it, you know. And, you know, we had like the president, we had ranks or whatever. So just like any problem that ever arises in my life, I step to it immediately. So I call the show and, you know, I'm the first caller in and I tell him, you know, we're not out here. We're not banging. We're not, you know you know, we're not in the streets doing stuff. We're not on bikes. It's literally an, an outfit for a TV show. And, you know, and he had, he, his response was, you know, I got, I got respect. That's him who called in. That's it. That's the end of it. There's no beef. And, uh, and then after that, um, you know, he had other callers that called in cause they were still upset that we have this and that on our, on our vest. And cause they thought we had like one percenter diamonds, which wasn't true. We had none of that type of insignias on our, on our uniforms. So even when people try to come at us still, he said, nope, that's it. That There's no more of that. And then they went to talking about the Super Bowl. And um, so from there, we did a deep dive. You know, the whole team, we were like, all right, what's what what were they talking about that, that bothered people, right? Because we didn't have the diamonds claiming that were one percenters or 99, nothing like that. So we did a deep dive and then we saw, okay, maybe, all right, maybe we could take the territories off, right? Because, you know, we don't want to step on anybody's toes. And, you know, but we're not riding on bikes with them. But I also I like to be mindful of everyone. So if enough people were bothered to me, that was like one too many. So we wanted to be mindful of everyone. And we took off the ranks. We took off the territories. And, um, you know, we, we didn't have diamonds. So we were good there. And then we changed it up. Instead, we put nicknames on the vest, where you know, right near the names and took off the territory. And instead of doing a three piece patch. Uh, we did a one piece patch, which, uh, you know, I think honestly, it looks great. So, you know, it was just us learning the hard way. And then that's actually how I started hanging out with motorcycle clubs, um, which eventually led to me getting my first bike. But yeah, we were talking and even my sister, she tells me, Hey, there's a guy who is a five percenter and he wants to meet you. And I'm like a five percenter. What is that? And then I get likes on my Instagram page and it's, um, he's liking, uh, our team pitches with the uniforms and then i'm like i think she means he's a one percenter right and then sure enough um you know she corrects herself she's like oh i'm sorry he's a one percenter not a five percenter so then i get ready and i go to meet this guy you know who's outside and i'm like all right it might go down like i'm gonna be ready for a fight and then no he was totally human like everyone else and we started talking and then he was like wait a minute was that you on demon's row and i was like yeah and then i got invited to their clubhouse 
And next thing you know, from there, you know, they're, they're cool guys. They're almost like robot people, except for bikes, you know, it's just that's their thing. And then, you know, even hanging around one percenters and 99s, you realize that they're just as human as us. And, you know, we kind of sat had I've personally had sit downs to get a blessing for our uniforms. And I didn't want to you know, step on anyone's toes or act like something that we're not. You know, we're a robot team who fights on TV and not for nothing. The uniforms look good. So even with the rebranding, we, we had went to leather vests, which looked great. And honestly, you know, if it wasn't for that blessing or finding out the little things, I think it, it having leather vests with the ranks and territories would have offended people. But now uh, we actually have a lot of support from the MC community. And I love that because, you know, they're nerds, but for bikes. And, you know, not all of them are nerds. Don't get me wrong. But um, I love it because I consider myself a robo nerd, you know, and that's so yeah that led to you know just that whole story of you know just stepping to every situation and then taking the time to educate yourself uh that that really helped and now you know people don't complain about the uniforms and there was someone recently who actually did reach out and it started out with him being upset saying oh you don't know about my brother my brother's that bled for this stuff and then i went through the whole uniform and explained to him we we're not claiming ranks we're not claiming territory there's no diamonds you know and I turned a hater into a fan, and now we're friends on Facebook, and he's looking forward to our fights. And uh, so I would, so that's that's the big uniform change. And even when we bring back Pain Train, like we could represent New York or you know all the other states that you know all the team is from. But uh, I'll always keep in mind that I I just want to be mindful and respect those people, and they respect us too. Respects the two way street, and and I love how even you know we made that mistake but that mistake ended up becoming a beautiful thing and now i own harley and you know i still go to these you know i still go to these mc clubhouses which they're awesome you know it's it's all love so it's led to other great things and i and i love it because now we have more support and hopefully one day i could do an event called bikes burgers bots and beers yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice nice good question cody um and so we're going to skip a couple of these uh, and uh, we're going to take a question here from Ryan Hunter, who helps run pit control at NHRL. Ryan's been doing this thing. It's pretty cool. Over the last two weeks, he's been asking chat GPT. So, you know, artificial intelligence to send in questions. Oh, yeah. chat GPT had some really good ones, but I'm going to choose the best one. Chat GPT wants to know, uh, looking to the future, what are your goals and aspirations for your robot building career are there any specific competitions or challenges that you're particularly excited about? Um, I, I mean, like, as we were talking about before, um, I would love if we traveled a bit more. Um, I yeah. would love to go to Brazil. I'd definitely, you know, do some Merca stuff. And we didn't even get to talk about it yet. I would love to go to South Korea to fight some yeah. robots. That would be so yes. cool. Oh, my God. The, don't yeah. even get me started on, you know, the awesome people from South Korea that compete. But um, that's I, and I want to get into a position where, um, you know, besides flying around for fights, I would love to host tournaments. Last year, I wanted to host uh, a St. Jude's uh, benefit event. But unfortunately, it ended up falling, you know, and BattleBots announced their date and no one could really make it, which is understandable. So I plan on rescheduling that in the future. I definitely want to do a St. Jude's event. And I would love to bring robot fighting back to New York City. Like, I hope one day I get to a point where I have a facility for anyone to come and try it out like something you know almost like a maker space but specifically to you know do do robotics whether it's combat robotics or whatever robot you want to make because 
even myself, there's other robots I want to build, but I always come back to the to the fighting portion of it. Um, but I I would personally love to give back, and that's part of my story. Like I said, I I, I grew up, we never had it like that, and that's why I had to wait till I was a oh, working adult, uh, you know, with you know enough to spare to to do the sport. But I would love one day if I could really get robots into people's hands who just, you know, just don't have it like that. You know, everyone has their reasons in life. And um, especially, you know, my neighborhood or other neighborhoods, you got some kids who, you know, sometimes they don't see a way out or, you know, or they're they're shot down. And, and look at me, like I had bad grades, but I feel like don't let don't let your environment or your, you know, your test taking skills define who you are. And if I could really help get robots into the hands of the less fortunate, I think that would be amazing. Because, I mean, Luke, I think you guys have even donated parts to um, to people in other countries. And I, and I love that because sometimes you have such creative, beautiful minds and they just don't have the resources. So I would love to one day be able to give resources to those who don't have it. Because I, I guarantee you they'll outdrive me any day. And I, mm-hmm. I hope for that day. You know, I've met, you know as I work around New York city, I see all these areas that I would love to just do a pop-up event, you know, and you know, maybe I should start reaching out for sponsors for something like that to see if they would want to back something like that. Cause I, I would love to just see everyone get involved and no matter what walk of life you come in, I don't care if you're 99 or, you know, you're nine months. I feel like you, you know, everyone has the potential. So I would just love to be able to give someone a head start in that direction. Nice. I like that is the perfect place to end it. However, we won't because we got a bunch of unusual questions from the fans. So I'm sorry. Uh, We're going to go for another 20 minutes, but I, I feel so inspired. I mean, like if you, you know, if you want to just skip all the unusual questions, I mean, that's a great note to end on, (laughs) but um, we're going to plunge, plunge further into these uh, unusual questions. Um, Team Triton team member Shea Waffles Johns, who I love, has an easy one. Uh, What's it like being so awesome, Evan? (laughs) I I personally love Shea. Every other line, Shea, each and every day, every other line. Um, (laughs) I, it's honestly, it's, (laughs) I, I don't know. It, it feels nice, you know, especially someone awesome like that calling you awesome. You know, uh, it, it feels good, uh, I guess, to be looked at, viewed in that light, you know, because not everyone will look at you the same. But, you know, when you have awesome people like that that back you, it really makes you feel like you're doing the right thing in the world. So thank you, Shay, for your, your kind words. It, it, it means a lot. And every other line always, I appreciate you. Nice. Jackpot Captain Jeff Waters has a thought-provoking question. <laughs> If you're the most aggressive driver in the sport, who is the most submissive driver? And then he does the two little hand emojis, mm-hmm. you know, like the little yeah. um, <laughs> anime hands, you right. know? Um, so like, you know, uh, uh, who's, who's the most submissive? Um, <laughs> yes. I would say Jeff. I think, I think he has the hots for me. And don't get me wrong. He's hot too. Um, I can't say Danby. I think, I think Danby makes me reconsider my, my life sometimes. I'm like, that's a beautiful mm. guy. Oh, yeah, maybe Jeff. I don't know. Jeffy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> DM, bro. But yeah, me and Jeff, Good. we give a big hug. You know, now I'm questioning it because every time we see each other, it gives me a hug, but I'm the one that gets lifted into the air, which is very unusual for me. So I'm like, you know what? Is it me at the same time? I don't know. <laughs> or maybe it's Jeff. I don't know. We'll have to find yeah. out. Jeff, hit me up. <laughs> yeah. 
Slide on my uh, DMs. Rick- <laughs> <laughs> Reagan Bachelor writes, Hey, Evan, you're one of the most inspiring builders to grace BattleBots, and I absolutely love watching your fights there and at NHRL. I've got four questions for you. Unfortunately, Reagan, I'm only going to ask one. Uh, but Reagan, uh, his fourth question was good. Have you done a personality test before? And if so, would you care to tell us what it is? Ooh, you know what? I would love to do a personality test, and hopefully by the time this airs, I could drop it into the comment section. I've nice. never, I never done one. Um, I did that autism test that everyone was doing recently in one of those threads, where it's like you know, see where you're on the spectrum, and it gives you a number. Not mm-hmm. that it's you know, not that it's actual scientific data. I think I scored like an 84 to 86. I mean, you know, there's so many different ones, so many websites. So no, I've never done a personality test, but like I said, I am more than willing to do one. And if there's any specific ones in mind, just send them to me. I'll do them all. I like those things. You know, it's really cool. Nice. Yeah, maybe maybe we could do like a which Disney princess are are we? You know what <laughs> I mean? Like somehow I'll still get Jason Momoa. Somehow. somehow. <laughs> <laughs> no matter every um, time I do those celebrity things, it's like it always lands on Jason Momoa. So that's why um, you know, in our Discord group, I've renamed myself Mason Jamoa. But now with a mm. haircut, hopefully I don't look like him anymore. Even though I get Roman Reigns, Jason Momoa, all these other fun guys. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, good. Um, all right, Michael Cross, who runs Stag Beetlebot at NHRL, writes, Hey, Evan, congratulations on your most recent win at BattleBots. I hope there's a ton more to come. He asks four questions like everybody else, but unfortunately, I'm only going to take one. Um, do you have a friendly rivalry with anyone like Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman's rivalry? You know, uh, Is there anybody in the pits who you're, you're uh, friendly rivals with? Yes, fun fact, Jameson Go. Uh, once again, to bring him up, I love that. We go back and forth, and I think right now he's up in the winds. And it's like, it's friendly rivalry because it's like, I got nothing but love for the guy. Um, And even when he did, you know, Silent X, eventually I did Shredded X, you know. And it was like a hat, a nod to him. And that's why even when I contact him about doing a hammer saw, you know, I'm like, oh, I guess who's a win? You know, not not even like that. You know, I asked for permission, and it's like, I, I... I think he's one of the coolest builders in the world. So I, I think it's Jameson. We've gone back and forth. But yeah, he's up right now, and I got to change that. And it's all love. It's not like, you know, there's no... Shoot, it's all love and no bitterness between me and that guy. None at all. So yeah, I'd say that's the friendly rivalry. Also, I want to rematch with Lynx. Uh, I think nice. I'm 0-2 with him right now, and I want to change that. But, you know, these days with the brackets as huge as they are, it's hard to even get there. But, um, you know, hopefully in the future I get to run it back with him. He's also a great guy. You know, nothing but love. He, he He's solid. But, yeah, Jameson, that's my, um, like, say if this is Pokemon and, you know, you start in the game and you have your rival that you always battle throughout the game, that's 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 my rival. Yeah, good. He's like your, your Gary Oak. All right, that's yep. Um, <laughs> I, I can see the resemblance too, man. You know, it's good. surrounded by greatness. Yeah. You know, that dude, he's awesome. Um, Michael also adds, while I haven't had the pleasure of fighting you against you yet, you have commentated on one of my matches. Thank you for the kind words and insight. You and Luke made that one of my favorite matches to rewatch. So thanks, Michael. Oh, thanks, um, man. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, Dylan Price has an interesting question. How do you feel about combat uh, boats? So battle boats. I'd love to see this idea happen. Maybe the king of NHRL can help bring this t- uh, to us at a small scale first. So uh, any interest in battle boats? I I would do battle boats. Um, 
But to me, it would have to be, you know, nowhere near actual water where animals live and stuff like that. Like, no no ponds, no lakes. It would have to be almost like at a, like almost similar to like NHRL. Like, I, yeah. I'm, I'm very big on ocean conservation and all this other stuff. So to me, battle boats would have to be in a very controlled environment. And I'd be interested. Uh, I'm pretty sure, like, cool dudes like Joe Fabiani, Brandon Zlinski, even Don Dolfer. I'm pretty sure they have some ideas cooking. Um, even Jonathan LePayne. I mean, I'm not trying to give spoilers here, but um, those guys, uh, I feel like we've discussed it before. And it's it's an amazing concept. And when it does come about, I'm totally interested because, I mean, I know I can't do something like a beater and or unless if that's the rules, you can't shoot at each other. So uh, there's something to be said there. But even with the whole if you're shooting at each other, I would want everyone safe because projectiles are once again scary. It's like uh, the movie Christmas Story. You shut your eye out, kid. So hmm. uh, it definitely would have to be super controlled. But I totally see that, you know, being a thing one day. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> uh, I think boats are cool, you know, cool as heck. Nice. Uh, we got a good question here about a BattleBots calendar from Natasha J. <laughs> Natasha writes, with Handsome being one of the three reasons you should be in this year's tournament, <laughs> what month would you pitch to be if they made a BattleBots captain's calendar? Oh, I'd be October. So it was a thing even years ago when I was working out, when I took the written exam and I thought things worked a lot faster. My goal was like, I'm going to be Mr. October. And that's a dream of mine. Um, when, you know, hopefully if everything goes right with the fire department, I want to be Mr. October and I'm going to get super ripped and nothing's going to stop me. I'll keep applying. But yeah, October is my month. It was also the month I was born. And it's also my favorite month because what other month can you get away with wearing shorts and a hoodie and pumpkin pie? I could I could eat a pumpkin pie to the face. <laughs> so, yeah, to me, being Mr. October, that would make the dream come true right there. So I call nice. October if anybody wants it. Sorry. <laughs> October is a great month. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, so I, I guess what's what's the picture theme? I guess like uh, pumpkins and like puppies, maybe like some some fall foliage or something. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I would. I wouldn't even mind just holding up a pumpkin pie and looking all sexy with no shirt on. You know, nice. <laughs> but yeah, the, it, like, there's no way it's gonna be October without me in a pumpkin pie. I'll be Miss October, but the pie is necessary. Good. This this is a free merchandise idea for you, Greg and Trey. You know, like uh, we've got we've got one one of the months down now. Um, as a follow up question, Natasha's husband Drew Monteith uh, wants to know: Is it fair for you, Luke Stangle, Angel Vidal, and Alex Beza to take up four out of the twelve months in oh. the BattleBots calendar? Oh yeah, I think we have enough guys on the team to do our own calendar. <laughs> you oh, know yeah. what? The Shredder calendar. Yeah. yeah wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I would think I, I would I would love if I like on Chinese New Year, like the month has Chinese New Year to put Chewie as like the dragon because of his beard. Um, yeah. But we definitely. Yeah, we can make it happen. Luke, what month would you take, man? Uh, let's see. I'd probably take like uh, February uh, and I'd, okay. I'd go as it's kind of like a seasonal affective disorder kind of like themed month, you know, just uh, <laughs> anxiety and sadness, you know, that'd be uh, great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, February has some interesting stuff, you know, Valentine's Day. <laughs> Not everyone's a big fan. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, man, I could see you surrounded by hearts in like a bathtub, like just like, okay. you know, aerial view. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, people who buy the, the Team Shredder calendar, they just keep it on February. You know what I mean? They, they wouldn't, oh, yeah. you know, I, I take it out. All year round. 
Yeah, right. I, like I take it out of the cow. I'd probably have to buy two just to put on my wall. <laughs> yeah. Believe it or not, I like to put like my friends as my background sometimes, like just messing around. And I totally would put that as my phone background. So when somebody looks at my phone, I'm like, what the? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I, so that's good. I, I have my background for a long time. Uh, I just changed it recently back to Chewy. But it was like Peter Garnache on Christmas from like years ago. The driver of ablation. It. Yeah, it's so yeah. random. Even when I showed him, he's like, what? How'd you even get that? <laughs> yeah so i like to do weird stuff i think even joe is my background ones from smee i i like i like silly things but yeah All i right, totally good. i'd have a luke background that would be a pc background nice that's good that's good i'll i'll make sure it's like 4k it'd be yeah. great it'd be hard to get um, work done <laughs> <laughs> all right we've got a good wrestling related question from nhl superfan ian who writes first of all congratulations on making two and two hope to see you in the bracket as it's time for shredder bro to show what it can really do obviously there's been backlash and i think shredder bro has the potential to go on a redemption run but interestingly i want to ask you about wwe i see the memes and jokes comparing you to roman reigns of wwe <laughs> fame who had a quote-unquote okay face, i.e. a good guy, but had a tremendous villain run. I think you have the charisma, the robot, and the straps to pull it off. When will we see a villain Evan Arias come to BattleBots, have a huge redemption run, smash everybody, and truly become the bad boy of BattleBots? Seriously, I want to see Evan become a bit evil. He's too nice. What uh, do you think? I, I agree. Like, even this year, I want to be the villain, but I feel like I just have so much love in my heart. It's so hard, you know? Like, um, But I would love to become a heel. Um, I don't know if people know, like, every, like, walkout this year has been cut. And we, you know, we had like a whole chant going, Luke, if you remember, it would be like, shredded, bro. You know, and mm-hmm. like they, like a lot of our airtime got cut, which hurt. Um, but hopefully in the next few seasons, they don't cut the airtime. Like even all the pre-fight interviews, you know, the other years you see, I had like a lot of puns, you know, Yeti spaghetti, you know, deep six, you go in six deep, you know, like all these like wacky things. But um, I would say like I brought, I definitely brought a lot of that this year. Um you know, for every pre-fight, but uh, hopefully next year or even any part of the season that's to come, they actually air it because, uh, you know, there's a lot of character that they haven't been showing, which I really wish they would. Um, but, you know, it's it's something that I hope for. And, you know, hopefully in the future they fix that mistake because even even Discovery, even when we're filming, they're like they have like the whole, oh, do you want to do your typical Evanaria send off? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. And I would say, you know, something cheesy, drop my sunglasses and then walk off camera. But none yeah. of that made it to TV this year. So I was trying. I was trying to be a heel. And hopefully next year they allow it because I love the microphone. I don't know if anybody notices when Chris and Kenny a- asks me a question. I completely don't answer that question because I can't even hear them. And then I just go into whatever I want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Um, all right. We're coming down to like our last five or six questions here. Uh, we've got two questions about Chewy and then the rest of the questions are about food. So um, these are my favorite subjects myself. So this is great. Um, weight builder Stephanie Spooner, who will run her bot Il Pacino at May NHRL, has seven questions. Unfortunately, Stephanie, I'm just going to ask uh, the question about Chewy. Uh, she writes, has Chewy ever met a horse? And how do you think he would react if he met a horse? So... I think Chewie, his first time looking in the mirror, he was like, what is that thing? Is that Mr. Red? No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think I think it would be interesting because Chewie has we- like weird reactions to stuff. And even when we're outside and say if like, someone threw out some garbage and they tie a plastic bag to like the fence, you know, in the garbage section, 
the second the wind starts making a flap, he's barking at it as if it's like a ghost or something. He is not feeling it. Um, and but the cool thing is when he sees dogs or even like smaller dogs, he gets like he lays all the way down and he looks like you know he looks so gentle and that's his way of saying please approach me. So um, I would really love to see Chewie's reaction if you haven't met an animal, especially such as big as a horse. He'll probably be like, are you my brother? Um, but uh, I I would love to see. You know, I'm curious. I don't know if he'll bark, if he'll if you know if he'll run up to it, run away, or if he'll like lay down. You know, do his thing when he sees like little Shih Tzus. If he'll just like lay down and be like, will you approach me? But hmm. I also hope he doesn't get himself kicked because <laughs> yeah, dogs dogs funny. act like they pay their own medical bills. So <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, NHRL super fan Eddie French, who God, I'm a huge fan of Eddie. I, I love him too. Um, he writes, last year I had a long conversation with you in Norwalk and naturally started about robotics, but soon turned into a lesson on life, the universe, and everything. Not only are you the most aggressive driver in combat robotics, you're also one of the most grounded. Having said that, the one thing I want to know is how did your dog Chewy know that I was a retired mailman? Yeah. Oh man, that boy got a nose on him. He, <laughs> yeah, Chewy. He could smell. He could smell us coming from a mile away. Especially when we were at BattleBots. I mean, how many times did we come home with in and out? Uh, <laughs> it was a dead giveaway. But um, yeah. Honestly, I I love that guy. He's really great. And um, you know, Chewy. He he's good at reading people. So he he probably just knew. Hey, you you got you used to do mail, huh? And he just kept mm-hmm. sniffing away. And she was like, uh, uh-uh, I'm gonna bark at you. But that's the thing, Chewy. Sometimes when he barks, it's because he's shy, and sometimes you just gotta give me like a hug or a handshake, and he's like, "Oh, okay, you're cool," you know. <laughs> yeah, awesome. that's that's Chewy. I I love that boy. He's actually a few feet away from me. He knows I'm talking about him, so he's giving me the puppy oh. dog eyes. <laughs> Chewy's such a good dog. Um, <laughs> we've got uh, we're, we're gonna transition over here into a couple of food related questions to cap us uh cap this very delightful interview. Um. First, from a builder named Alex Peza. Um, He writes, hey, man, I'm a rookie driver hoping to break into the game. (laughs) Okay. Uh, What was your favorite moment in Vegas, and why was it walking over a mile to get in and out? (laughs) So... So me and Alex, we decided to hang out one night. I think most of the people had like pulled off. You know, it was like the end of the whole battle bots in Vegas. And we decided, you know what, Let, let's go out in town. Let's, you know, have ourselves our own time, you know, whether it's at the Airbnb or, you know, we go out on the strip. So we decided to indulge in some fun. And then next thing you know, the in and out, it just seems like it's a million miles away. Like you ever see the staircase in Mario 64? Like no matter yeah. how much you keep climbing because you don't have all the stars, it just you know, it just like keeps getting further and further. Um, so that that was us hiking to In and Out, and it seemed like an eternity, but it was probably like not even twenty minutes. It was just we had so much fun up until that point that you know it, it just really took so long to get there. I love Alex for that. That was probably one of the funniest nights in the world. I felt like gravity was super up that night. Like it, it reminded me of Dragon Ball Z when they're in the gravity chamber. That was that whole evening. Um, that was that was a great time. I really loved hanging out with Alex. He's like he has an amazing story. He's such a great builder, and that dude yeah. is funny. Like if I ever had to step away, a step down, I'd like put this guy in the microphone now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, weirdly, we have another hamburger related question from Shredder Bro team member Brandon Unger, who uh, asks, "How many White Castle sliders is too many?" <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I wouldn't know that answer. So <laughs> that's in reference to we did the White Castle challenge. I think we had like a hundred plus uh, White Castle burgers, uh, Pain Train V two that season, season six of BattleBots, nice. and everyone. I think it was like if we split it up, everyone had like sixteen burgers a piece. And it was a race, and I think Angel was only behind me at at every point by like a burger or two, and I finished my burgers. And um, yeah, I don't know how much is too many. Maybe I'll meet a worthy opponent one day, but um, yeah, I, I that's to be determined. Nice. Uh, right. Yeah, Brandon, I think you didn't finish yours, man. You tell me, brother. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> or you know what? I think it just calls for you know another another White Castle challenge. I think I think that's what we got to do now. I feel like it'd be trivial to kill like sixteen uh, White Castle sliders. Like I'm, I'm down. So yeah, yeah it's you yeah. know what's funny. It, I think that was like a day or two before we had to fly out, and I was like, someone's gonna regret this on the flight back. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's probably me, but <laughs> but yeah, nice. I, I wouldn't take it back, and I welcome the challenge. If anybody wants to try to go in and eat off, I'm the guy. And Luke, I think, uh, I think we still have to do a pie eating contest. We do. We yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. We got one more question. Our final question comes from friend of the pod and our friends too, Slamo Captain Craig Danby, who has an important question. Given that hot dogs aren't sandwiches, but are in fact calzones, what is the best kind of calzone, and why is it family? Uh, you see, I think um, I feel like Danby almost answered it in the question itself, which mm. is uh, it's a little, it's I guess it's a little trivial there, but yeah. Uh, you know, calzone is family. Family is whole and complete, and yet always open, but somehow still closed off from the outside world, right? Because the second you bite into a calzone, it's now considered a taco, right? Or is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but sure. Yeah, I've, yeah. But it's like much like anything. If you show it love and you cradle it, anything's a calzone. And I think people don't understand the calzone lore is very deep. But you know, you could you could close a calzone but you can't close a taco. It's This is the perfect inspirational note to end on. I really appreciate it, Evan. Let's just uh, give people something thought-provoking to really chew on, you know, for the rest of the day. It's great. Um, <laughs> I, I'm so glad that we we did this. This is like the best two hours of my entire month, probably my entire year. Uh, Evan, you're a delightful person, and I am so glad that you're in the sports. Can't wait to see Shredder Bro in the battle box again soon. And um, yeah, I sure I'll... Talk to you right after we stop recording. So this is great. All right on, brother. And I enjoy my time with you. And um, you know, I hopefully if I get my pod, you know, if I get a podcast running, I would love for you to be my first guest. Uh oh yeah. Uh, yeah, let's just tank the ratings right off the the the, <laughs> the, the jump. That's perfect, you know? Yeah, I honestly, because there's so much. Even your story I think is absolutely amazing as well. And I would love to, you know, get into your story, whether it's here or, you know, or in another cast. No podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the first robotic boy, you know, to like, uh, you know, integrate into human life. It's perfect. You know? <laughs> oh, no. Is this chat GPT? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Powered by sadness. It's perfect. You know, this is great. <laughs> same. Oh, being that you said that, have you seen the Mario Brothers movie yet? No, I've got to see it. Oh, OK. I don't want to give any spoilers on air. But yeah, I think okay. you would love it. It's really good. All right. Strong recommendation. I love yeah. It. All right. Was- this the sadness part that uh that hit me. There's a character that's worth it. <laughs> good, good. All right, thanks, Evan. Thank you, Luke. Love you, man. Love you, brother. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. 
Welcome back from the break. Time for robots around the world. This week we're headed to Chicago, where a warehouse robot went viral after seemingly collapsing under the weight of its monotonous existence. <laughs> Finally, a robot I can relate to. The robot named Digit was ordered to move boxes as part of a trade show exhibit at a supply chain conference. Oh boy. Even a robot was bored of that. Um, Digit moved nine boxes before keeling over and laying on its side in defeat. Yet another victim to the capitalist system that exists to extract profit from labor, no matter how menial or pointless. Digit, we're with you. We're maybe it, one in solidarity. Maybe it just had a deep dish before it showed up. <laughs> <laughs> So I'll say this about this video. It looks like the batteries just died, right? Like it doesn't look like anything malicious is happening. It looks like it's just doing what it's doing and then the batteries just died and it has to take a nap. And in that way, robots really do have an advantage over us because if we nap on the job, it's a real problem. You can get fired for that. But if they nap on the job, it just means that somebody, somebody else who was responsible forgot to charge their batteries. Robot privilege, y'all. Robot privilege. It might get chopped up too, though. You never know. That's valid. That is valid. I I agree. Um, I'm glad we went with this story, by the way, and not the one about the NYPD buying a little, a literal arsenal of robots uh, for this, like this last year. Oh, um, I don't like that. I don't like that. <laughs> no, that's that's too real. All right, as as New York residents, you know, going into the city, getting followed around by some spot with a uh, rifle connected to its face you know it's awful all i'm gonna it's say like about dystopia. that is there are tutorials online for how to quickly take the battery out of a spot just saying if you need to look <laughs> that up that exists um but yeah no i like this this little robot i also like how when he falls down it looks like a ragdoll animation from a video game like it really does like have that full collapse to it it was cool um I've never seen this kind of a robot before, but I, I thought it was pretty neat. Yeah, it's it's so relatable, you know? Like, who hasn't <laughs> had to work at a trade show before where just people are coming by and looking at you like you're in a fishbowl? And, uh, you know, and you just question every single one of your poor life choices that led up to this. Like, I, I, I relate to this 100%. It's a former trade show booth, uh, you know? person uh awful terrible you know i get it yep yep yeah. absolutely wait a minute did you uh stack shelves on a trade show booth for people to watch for years on end is that is that why this is relatable to you kyle uh i feel like i haven't talked about this much on the podcast my very first job out of high school i worked at a karaoke company mm -hmm. so i went to trade shows and i sang 50s and 60s standards for you know, semi-drunk uh, retail uh, buyers, you know, to come by and, you know, order a thousand units of a karaoke machine, you know? Wow. Uh, awful. Terrible, you know? That is definitely a job that the robots are going to take within the next couple of years. So don't worry. Yeah. Nobody else is going to have to go through that. M many times I felt like collapsing a defeat, you know? Uh, <laughs> so I get it. Totally get it. <laughs> Yeah, there didn't look like there was a lot of space on that robot for batteries, so none of this confuses me that it fell down. It needs a backpack, a battery backpack. 
Right. Just yeah. more for it to schlep around. I see where you're going with this, Kyle. <laughs> it's like carrying your lunch to work, Chris. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> no, that's why he's got the deep dish. <laughs> Well, that's about it for us today. Uh, we want to thank Nicole for always doing such a great, great job editing uh, our episodes. Uh, thank you, Nicole. We'll be back in your feed next week with another mystery guest. We'll see you then, folks. Bye-bye. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.